you know what I just did? I turned on my computer. And in the process of it turning on, I turned it off. Sometimes uh, life can be that way. Yeah. Sometimes it'd be like that, B. Hope you heard that lovely Windows 7 startup sound. What a throwback. Best operating system. Hey, man, if it ain't broke, don't fix it until it stops running everything because it needs updates. Uh, oh, it, it stopped getting updates six months ago. So. Oh, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm probably operating on a corrupted system, so. This is the Rex Society podcast, and we record podcasts so you don't have to. My name's Jeremy. My name is Tristan. And I'm Vicky. All right. You guys, I, I changed up the intro. I, I, I don't know if that's okay. Yeah, I was really confused. Like, it sounded I, like, that almost sounded like plagiarism for a second. <laughs> I liked it a lot, though, I have to say. That sounded yeah. way too similar to some, something else that I've heard, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna quote Starship Troopers, you know, like, you know, recording podcasts guarantees citizenship but i was like oh, let's do this one feels like a common phrase um i i want to change these things up you know i'm trying to get these numbers up these these recording numbers i know you hide the analytics from us tristan like your netflix you know um, you, 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 I, you I don't show us right the numbers. now they're not they're not impressive numbers but if you want i could be transparent oh uh, they might not be impressive but um i'll bring them up later but i know a lot of famous people listen to this for sure all it takes is one famous person yeah uh, i don't know if i want to talk about this because uh you know we probably will do an episode but you know we did film something over the last week and we got to all see each other again which was nice um that was a lot of fun right you know, yes, it was, and I'm honestly uh, been living on the edge ever since. Just now, I'm kind of in that um, waiting period for when it gets complete. Because generally, I've been, you know, fine during, uh, you know, with between quarantine and kind of some just some certain things going on. And I'm just ever since Monday, I'm like, I can't relax. <laughs> And I think it's why just kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, waiting for the final product. I don't like to wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. Our, our project is in the midst of editing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's not quarantine. It's not the, the country falling apart. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's seeing how this project comes out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um. Yeah, it, it was fun. Um, I was injured. Um, complete accident. No fault of nobody. But, uh, and I was a witness. Yeah. And uh, thanks, Tristan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm feeling better. Thanks for asking. Um, I've got a small bit of pain. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm currently in a very serious litigious battle with uh, Rex Society LLC, um, which is a conflict of interest because I'm part of it. <laughs> but I'm hey, also man. suing them. <laughs> hey, it's, I, I hope a, you win this battle. 
Yeah, I'm gonna take him for everything. Um, I'm gonna cut him, <laughs> clean him dry. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna sue for the phone I'm currently recording on. I'm gonna take that from them. We can just uh, give you the thing that hurt you instead. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I want, like I want that. Uh, we said it. We said the portal to Narnia was already broken, so I'm, I'm not interested. I don't want to even want to say what the product is. It's, Leave it at that. <laughs> um, God, the effort it would take to get that to where I am would be like, it'd probably cost more than probably buying that for myself. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, let's do some house cleaning. Um, I don't think we're going to be really doing news segments in here because, uh, you know, we got to fill in time for the main topics and what we've been watching. Um, I think we're going to have supplemental material, like a special feature attached to our episodes, which are essentially the news segments, which I think Tristan will be doing. Um, yeah, so, uh, because clearly we don't have enough time to talk about our topics, which we totally have prepared, you know, and ready at the hand right now. Um... (laughs) Yeah, we got we gotta we gotta we gotta use this time wisely. Yeah. Uh, I'm um, with you, Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, what, what, yeah. I do want to cover, not cover, but just bring up a couple things. Um. For one, did 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 either of y'all read that Quibi article from Vulture? No, I haven't. I mean, I I saw the headline, but all I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. I, I, I honestly, it's probably to me the biggest piece of news to come out this week. It was just an incredible long read that's kind of like an oral history of the of uh, kind of the startup of Wiki and or not Wiki Quibi and and the um, and kind of like just the beginning of it. Um, it, it 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 it's a truly wild story. Um, Jeffrey Katzenberg has some pretty wild antidotes in it. Well, antidotes about him. Um, the article is called "Is Anyone Watching Quibi?" and it's on Vulture. Uh, uh, please, yeah, give it a read. I mean, it, it's worth it. It's twenty minutes of your time. Um, yeah, excellent. Uh, yeah, the other big piece of, uh, uh, of news that's not news is uh, Barnes & Noble has its Criterion sale going on right now. If you're listening, it's probably, I think it's still going on. 50% off selected titles from Criterion. Um, it, it's essentially, a.k.a. Christmas in July. 100% worth it. I I spent a hundred dollars the first day. I'm probably gonna spend a hundred more because I didn't get everything I wanted. <laughs> um, it, it's uh, it's excellent. Um, if you ever want to own physical media, look like a a, a pretentious cultured swine. <laughs> by Criterion. Yeah, you look fancy. Uh. That area, yeah, that's that's pretty much any any sort of news. Um, oh, more house cleaning. 
Um, thank you, Vicky. That was an excellent episode last week. I listened to it last night. Um, I did not think the recording quality would come out that well. And I think you're coming from your phone, but uh, I was able to understand everything. So A plus. Good. Yep. Um, let's see. All right. Okay. Let's move on to the main topic that we got to, you know, buy time for because we need so much of it. Uh, Jeremy asks questions. Okay. And if you just heard that theme song, it was uh, conducted by Mika Levy. She heard me last week on uh, the episode I just mentioned, uh, praising her score for Under the Skin. She reached out to me and uh, said she would record a, a, a song for this segment. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you heard it, that was from Mika Levy. If you did not, she's still working on it. So it'll, it'll, it'll be put in eventually. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, what was some questions I was thinking about this week? Uh, I had a couple. I'm just trying to think how I want to order them. Kind of want to keep a keep a good flow. Um, oh, oh, this was something I missed in my new segment. Um, any article that comes out about Christopher Nolan, I lose more good faith with him. <laughs> it's depressing. I am utterly glad though that he does not have social media, or I, I think this man would not be as well liked as he is um that being said i don't think we'll be going to a a cineplex anytime this year that being said saying that twice in a sentence um what are some memorable theater experiences y'all had um like that was a thing of the past i i guess i could start with mine um I have a couple. I guess I could go with the the main one, the the more relevant one. Um, after Par- Parasite won Best Picture this year, it got re-released or got a wide release in a bunch of theaters. Um, I saw it three times in the week following its Oscar win. A bit excessive, even to myself, I'll admit. I mean, I saw that movie five times in theaters, but um. One of the times I saw it, I saw it at one of the local multiplexes in a mall at like, you know, 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. And um, it was a crowded theater, which I was aiming for because the first time I saw it was in a crowded theater. And it's an excellent experience. But um, yeah, I saw, it, I saw it there. And um, I'll say in the first 20 minutes, there was a, there was a, a mother... And her, I'll say, got to be like eight or nine-year-old child, you know, probably wearing a Minecraft shirt. That's just how I imagine it. <laughs> um, and, and they're uh, they're just sitting there. And the kid was the kid was clearly frustrated. Like they're sitting directly behind me, so I could hear all this like shuffling in the chair and everything. And and, and he was like, oh, "This movie is so boring." All right, what, what's going to happen? She's like, shh, this movie is important. <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. I'm so bored. I got to read everything. <laughs> and I remember just some joke coming up. And he and the funniest 
dick move of a kid to do is um like it, like some quote like obvious joke came on the screen like in the subtitles and he's like oh ha 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 <laughs> honestly it made me laugh more than the joke I've already seen the movie twice at that point and I was just like oh this kid is like he's got bite like he's just so not into this and um I I could just hear him complaining for about like like a good 20 minutes before they walked out and um you know no fault to him he was a you know nine year old you got to watch a subtitled movie because you're you're uh, you know, your your mom wanted to talk at the water cooler or whatever at work the next day about it. You know, no no fault to him. But um, uh, the more enjoyable part of that experience was it was a crowded theater and I had to sit in you know near the front row. And when the big kind of I don't want to say twist, but like I'll just say the basement reveal um comes into play. Uh, I I kind of just turned around in my chair and I kind of just looked at the audience and seeing the audience's like reaction, like I just remember one guy just kind of like having his hands like up to the side of his head, you know, his mouth agape, like just like seeing what's happening. And I was like, that that's that's awesome. I I just love that I'm in this multiplex that's like right next to a Macy's. You know, uh, and like in a room with like all these people watching this foreign picture by a director I like, you know, and then all just being so into it and so shocked. Like that's uh, uh, that was just incredibly satisfying, you know, just seeing all these reactions to to this thing. Um, yeah, that's maybe 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 my number one experience this year. I mean, there can't be a lot, but uh. I mean, it would be that and watching Parasite in IMAX, you know, which was kind of surreal. Uh, uh, what, 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 do you, what do you guys got memorable? Um, either one of you. Um, well, uh, I remember there was a Don't Breathe, uh, and this is kind of one of the most unusual movie experiences that I've ever uh, had. Um, and basically this movie... Uh, which you know was well directed and and it had like some you know some uh, good stars in it that I you know I I like uh, and as far as the story goes as it unravels uh, basically the audience just they just weren't in the right headspace or like the mindset to kind of uh, I guess react to the situation because it didn't take long before some people just started laughing and. I mean, I was still kind of in a mood like, okay, I mean, come on, like, like cut it out. Uh, but you know, after a while, it kind of grew contagious because more people started laughing. And then when it got to the turkey bastard scene, uh, 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 you know, like it, it really, um, yeah, it like this movie that was supposed to be, you know, like a thriller, supposed to kind of, you know, like keep you on the edge of your seat, like thinking like, oh my god. But I mean, you know, obviously the characters. Uh, they aren't really the type that you would usually root for. If anything, they have what's coming to them. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like both sides are like a different coin, a different side of the the same coin type of thing. Except you know they're robbers and they're trying to rob this uh, blind person's place, but then this, this blind person is actually a sick 
you know, man who is trying to, uh, you know, uh, 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 hold woman, uh, you know, against their will and, and impregnate them. But like taking that all aside, like on paper, that disturbing sort of, you know, plot detail, like the execution and everything, just like just seeing how the audience kind of processed it just made it so like, like it, it just made it laughable in a way. I don't know. Just it was just weird because I mean, like watching it again, like okay, like I'm not gonna laugh at this again. But I mean, that really it took a while for me to revisit this movie because everyone started laughing, and then like I just started laughing because like I, I don't know. It just it just kind of one of those great examples that I think that depending on the movie that you're watching, depending on how the audience reacts, I mean, it it could affect you in in a lot more ways than you would expect it to because it really is that sort of environment that kind of like makes or breaks that movie for you. And so don't don't breathe was was definitely uh you know that example for me and and that and that sort of uh situation. Um another notable movie that I'd like to think of. I mean, well, okay, it's not really the I mean, if you if you're referring to the experience, like it's kind of like I went to see Aquaman with my little brother. It was it was reserved seating. I I fucked up. I I got the wrong seat mixed up. Uh, so I was already it, it was one of those dining type of uh reserved seating. So I kind of ordered food and everything. Uh, it's been like about thirty minutes into the movie, so I was kind of like, okay, so we're just gonna watch the movie, and then you know. I, again, thirty minutes into the movie, like some lady just kind of walks up, and then she's like, "Um, you're in our, you're in our seats," and I'm like, "Wait, what? Like, we already finished our meals and everything, so the place is just there. We're just kind of, you know, watching the movie." And then it kind of like took me out, so I was already like into Aquaman. And then like that whole barrier just broke, and I'm just kind of back to reality when she said I'm in her seat, and I'm really confused because I, I don't know how I got it mixed up. I must have been like just really tired that day or whatever, and uh, but. Um, you know, I, I like, I looked at my, at my phone. I was like, oh shit. So I was kind of, uh, trying to, uh, see if there was someone close by to help me get all these dishes. Cause we had like a lot of, uh, like not like too many dishes, but just because of the way I was set up, that was like kind of taking up like a lot of rooms. So I couldn't just carry it like, you know, like everything by myself. Uh, so I was trying to see if I could get like, maybe like a, like a bus boy, like someone, you know, nearby. Uh, but then she kind of made it i guess she interpreted it as me like just leaving the dishes there because i wanted to clean it up for them but then she kind of like said oh so you're gonna leave dishes there like no it's like and keep in mind this is all happening while the movie is going so i'm trying to like not make a scene but i'm also trying to be respectful anyway i can it was just chaotic because like the movie was going and i couldn't just like you know just communicate with this person so it was just kind of like like okay i'm just gonna grab all these fucking dishes okay so i just tried to like grab all these dishes including the cups and everything and then I moved to my right seating, like, you know, right next to this guy who kept, like, coughing, like, you know, throughout the entire thing, which now, you know, if that were to happen, hell no. But, yeah, like, it was kind of just, it was just a weird situation, because I was, like, I wasn't trying to be an asshole, but, like, she was really, like, trying to, like, you know, like, get on me. I was like, fuck, I mean, like, I, ever since that happened, like, I kind of, like, made sure to just be careful. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, okay. I don't care if you have reserved seating, just just please make sure you, you get on time so we can avoid stuff like this. Because like I I mean it was 30 minutes in I I was getting just comfortable and then that thing just really it took a while for me to process what was happening. <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I you know I, I take full accountability. It was just kind of like yeah I mean it could have gone a lot more smoother. Um, but uh, yeah so that's another 
ex- movie theater experience uh, that I'm thinking of. Not, you know, not these experiences aren't <laughs> necessarily, uh, you know, they sound in- terrible. Yeah, <laughs> maybe maybe we shouldn't go back to the movie theaters. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, but oh, but like a quiet place is um, a quiet place. If anything, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's like this movie. What I love about A Quiet Place was the experience in the theater, um, because I feel like for some people they probably don't, they probably didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Um, it it was so quiet, like literally, you couldn't you you couldn't like eat your food because if you did, like someone would, would hear all those crunch, like they, they would hear everything in your mouth as you're as you're like you know eating it just crunching it and i i found it stressful because like i mean i i kind of like bought some you know candy for myself too my girlfriend and it was like shit man i can fucking hear my heartbeat right now <laughs> and and then like when someone did actually try to eat something it was kind of like i mean i get it like they bought this food they're trying to eat it but it was like man what the fuck man like stop eating right now <laughs> it was just kind of like that sort of environment where it was just really quiet but i mean i loved it because i feel like if anything, it kind of the movie accomplished something where it was trying to grab the attention of the audience, try to you know make sure that everyone was trying to stay as quiet as the characters were, uh, because that was the type of environment they're in. Like, because if you if you make noises, then you're you're fucking dead. Like, I mean, you you just kind of uh, basically uh, get yourself into the same situation that they're in. And and like I don't know, I, I thought that was very interesting. And when it, when it finally came to the noise, you know, uh, uh, the small bits of noise that would actually uh, come out in the movie it was it was cool because at that moment at that moment it was kind of like it was just as freeing for the characters as it was for us to like try to like hurry up and eat before it gets quiet again so it was cool um and okay and like yeah because i'm like i'm only just thinking of the only, the, the reason why the worst ones come to mind is because those kind of like scarred me <laughs> um but the one good one in particular um is avengers uh, avengers endgame uh uh, and this is like the recent example. I mean, I'm sure there's like a bunch of I mean, Parasite. I would have said Parasite too. I actually did the same thing with Parasite, like you did, Jeremy. But I mean, you already mentioned it. But I thought it was also cool from what I experienced, um, you know, at the theater watching that movie. Uh, but like Avengers Endgame, that was also especially like when I bought tickets for my whole family, like my little brother, my mom. Uh, I mean, Kayla, she was uh, my sister. Kayla, she uh, was in uh connecticut at the time but but it was funny because she was watching the movie the same time as us and this was like unplanned so it was kind of it was kind of cool that we were all sort of watching this movie at the same time and and i was watching like you know my mom and my and my brother and i mean they were all like just really amazed by a lot of stuff that was happening i mean i know like avengers endgame has its flaws but i mean this is kind of like a movie for you know, for all these people who like dedicated like so much time into like investing, uh, you know, like uh, investing time into watching these movies with all these characters, and it's all comes together to this particular moment where it, it was definitely a movie that you couldn't have seen anywhere else other than the theater if you committed so much uh, to these uh, movies, like to really get that full effect that they were the the directors and uh, creative team behind it wanted. And I, you know, I was there to kind of witness, like, you know, all the the cheering and, and applause, you know, and stuff. And it was it was cool. Like, I, it, it was definitely a one a once in a lifetime type of uh, theater experience. And I'm glad I was able to take part of, uh, you know, despite, of course, you know, we'll probably talk about whatever flaws the MCU may have, you know, time to time. But 
it is historic, and I thought it was definitely one of the most uh, rare occasions that you know I would experience in cinematic history that I'm definitely going to look back to with uh, happy thoughts. So, yeah, I'll shut up now. <laughs> well, I'm trying to to think of an example. Only really one came to mind, um, but... I, I don't know if it's because I typically typically go to the movies alone. Um, so usually my movie experience is that I go by myself because I kind of see it as my me time. Um, where I can like kind of tune everyone out, leave my phone alone, and just kind of like watch a film. And I also like sit in that, like a lot of theaters have that like single seat where there's like no one next to you. So I'm not often interacting with anyone when I go to the movie theaters. Um but this time that I can think of, when I went to go see Toy Story 4, I guess I was feeling a little risque. Um, and also, to kind of add to it, uh, I prefer like 11 a.m. showings, which tend to be like the first showings of the day. Um, because, you know, you're kind of with all the oldies, my faves people. And, uh, and I love that time because it's like after breakfast, but before lunch. So I'm kind of like, less likely to get lured in by concessions. Um, I definitely think like too much about this, but anyways, so this was, must've been last summer cause it was Toy Story 4 and, um, and Toy Story 4 came out in the summer. And like I said, I usually go in the morning. So when I went to go buy tickets, it was empty and I was definitely excited about that. Um, I, I do. And I don't like going to the, like, I kind of, don't like the when a theater is completely empty so you know it was but for the most part it was and it was like a kids movie so you know I was just kind of excited and it was a big release so you kind of had the big theater anyway I go in and like the movie's a few minutes from starting and then there starts this roaring and I'm like what the hell's going on right now you know um and then starts to kind of get louder and louder and I start to think fuck summer camp kids and um, there is nothing worse in my movie theater nightmare than a group of summer camp kids I didn't kind of consider it I guess it's like been a while <laughs> since I had like you know I didn't because usually if I'm going like in the daytime like like I said I'm tip I'm used to uh, just an older crowd um, which is kind of why I like to go because they, they tend to watch the movie and not talk and things like that um, versus going like on a Friday night or something. And uh, but I guess I didn't think about the time of year and they just kind of swarm the movie theater. And of course, you know, they picked like my row. This movie theater was huge and empty, but they pick my row and I'm like, now, in reality, I should have just kind of waited until um, the film started to, like, really see where, like, what seats were available. Um, but I I didn't, I, I couldn't, no, I didn't, and I couldn't. And I just, like, just started, like, it ended up being, like, hot potato because I was, like, going from one row, and then more would come. And then I would come to another row, and then more would come. And this was just... Like, I, until, like, I just decided to go, like, all the way to the front, which I haven't sat in the front of a movie theater in, like, 15 years. 
because that's it's not worth the experience for me. I actually think that they shouldn't even have seats up there. Like that's just disrespectful. Um, but yeah, so I just couldn't, you know, and and, and kind of like what Tristan was talking about, how um, you know, like now if people coughed and stuff, like to me, like kids are always. I'm not as much against kids as it sounds. It's just a loud group of them all coming and sniffling and, you know, uh, that's always kind of been something that bothers me. You know, they don't really know how to keep themselves together and intact. Um, so I just kind of kept hopping around until I just end up in the front. And uh, I almost considered just kind of maybe leaving and getting another showtime. I stuck it out there with the kids. They managed to keep themselves quiet and entertained because Toy Story 4 was fucking amazing. And uh, um, and even with sitting in the front row, I was shedding some tears. It kind of got me, I have to say. Um, but the only other kind of thing I can think of and which I'm trying to remember what 3D film it was. Um, I don't typically go to see 3D films, so that's why um, I'm kind of like blanking out. I feel like I have this memory, but I also can't remember the film, so it's kind of like weird. But um, one of the main reasons why I never went to go see 3D films was because I wore glasses. There's nothing more tragic than someone who wears glasses trying to watch fucking 3D film. And, uh, you know, especially, you know, glasses wearer that doesn't wear contacts. So I only really enjoyed watching um, 3D films at our science museum over here because back in the day, I don't know how they are now. I haven't been there in a very long time. But back in the day, it was kind of like an old school, like, you know, fucking RoboCop helmet <laughs> that you would put over your face. Um, so it kind of didn't matter if you had glasses so much. I mean, it, it was always probably still a little bit disorienting, but, you know, versus like the little cool 3D shades they give us now, um, in movie theaters. But I remember going to see a 3D film after getting LASIK eye surgery. And I mean, it was one of the many experiences that I had after correcting my vision where I was like, holy shit, like... I'm experiencing life right now. This is what it means to live. You can watch a 3D film without having your glasses, like, fuck you up or um, needing to, like, make sure that, you know, are you really getting, like, the whole picture? Because even with glasses, it's like your 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 vision isn't really, like, 2020. So um, I remember after getting LASIK, I was, like, taking in all these experiences differently, like going to the beach and actually being able to see the beach with my glasses, like all these things in the in movie theaters was was a big one. Um, and it's completely changed, I feel like, how I enjoy um, that experience. And, um, you know, now I can kind of sit everywhere and feel like I can really see the film from all angles. But uh, those are kind of like the only two. I can't think of any experiences of negative or exceptionally positive interactions. Um, with people, although I do sometimes laugh at how some movie theaters do this, like, couch experience. So they kind of do it in, like, twos. Um, so maybe, like, the middle section between two seats. Like, kind of like a love seat situation where it's still pretty individual, but it's there's a little bit less in between you. So if I ever go to those theaters, 
and I'm kind of in that situation, I'm always just kind of giggling to myself because I, I often go alone. So it's like, and then I end up next to someone who's also going alone and it just comes off so sad <laughs> in those situations where it's just like this love seat with no love. But anyways, that's it. No, no worries, Vicky. Um, 90% of the movies I see, I see by myself. So, <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the club, the solo club. Um, as I say, I saw every single one of those movies you guys mentioned in theaters. So, like, like thinking of my own experiences. Um, weirdly, like, Don't Breathe, I saw, like, the least amount of people. And I was into it, and everybody else seemed, like, very uncomfortable. And I'm like, am I weird for, like, being totally into this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Especially like when the turkey baster came out, I'm like, "Fuck yeah, this is fucking strange." Yeah. <laughs> I wish I would have seen that in theaters, but I didn't. Um, I think I saw it like on a random, I don't know, like early release day. Maybe I threw it up for my kids or something like that. I don't, I don't remember. Or watch it at home. I don't remember. Is that film rated R? Yeah. Yeah, that's very rated R. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe like... I didn't then. Maybe yeah, I, yeah. yeah. yeah like it. it was a full pack, like a full pack theater when I watched it. I mean, it was like so. When I say like everyone was laughing, everyone was fucking laughing. <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that seems like a dangerous like yeah thing with that movie. Um, though I yeah I enjoyed it. I'm I'm probably I guess I'm better off with having an uncomfortable crowd than a not into it crowd. Yeah. Um, I agree. which not into a crowd I got was um weirdly uh like you're talking about Avengers Endgame, like my crowd was not really into it, um, which is which is very strange because I saw it on a Thursday night at like I don't know oh, it was a really late showing it might have been it might have been like an 11 p.m. or 11:30, but it was like that being said it was still full and like. I maybe got like two applause, like two applause breaks from people or the the, the theater. Which, uh, I mean, that movie you probably got like six or seven of those. Like, um, yeah. even though I don't love it, uh, yeah, I think Avengers uh, or Infinity War was my my more into crowd when I saw that. Um, that experience was also really good too. Yeah. Yeah. At least at least for me. Yeah, no, I I dug it. Um, what is it? Toy Toy Story Four. I saw that movie. I think I did see it. Yeah, I saw it like four times in theaters, and I'm not gonna say I full out cried, but I teared up a lot every single time. That that movie just gets to me so so much, and um, I'm glad I didn't see it in a summer camp of kids because they probably would have beat me up when I got out of the theater. Yeah. I was honestly not expecting to like it because I'm not a Toy Story fan. I mean, I grew up with Toy Story, especially the first one. Um, but even at the time, it just, it was just, yeah, another kid's film, but, you know, it was kind of in one ear out the other. It wasn't a big deal for me. Um, so then I also didn't really care for two. Uh, it's my two is my least favorite. Three was uh, whatever. But again, I was like, why does this keep happening? Like, why do we keep? I didn't uh, 
really I was like, why why are we doing more and more and more of these? Um, so I actually went to go see four, just by you know, I guess I guess honestly because of just these movie subscriptions now, and I was like, well, I might as well, you know. And I was not expecting. I think Toy Story four is the best one, which maybe you can't really say. So after the first one, then the fourth one is just so good. Um, I will not have this Toy Story hearsay <laughs> treachery. <laughs> um, but I will say I like all of the movies a lot. But I have to rewatch the others. But I've been thinking a lot. Like uh, this might be my hot take in the series, but I might like four the most. I mean, it definitely hit me like incredibly. Like it's so hard. Um, just the the. The ending of Gabby Gabby's story is just like I, I can't I it can't it's too much for me. Um uh yeah, it's uh I, I have to rewatch the others, but it, it's the fourth one is so incredible. It, it might be my number one. Um You guy you mentioned one other movie I'm not gonna bring up right now, but I do wanna ask this. Um I've brought up a bunch of movies that are widely regarded as bad. Um, I mean, I, I willed into existence uh, a turning episode because I think that movie is great. Um, I am the I apparently number one biggest fan of Cats, um, which, by the way, Andrew Roy Weber heard me bring up how much I like that movie. He reached out to me. He said he's going to write a musical based on this podcast. Um, you know, he, he, he got Skimble Shanks to play me, Rum Tum Tuggin for Tristan, and uh, old Deuter- Deuteronomy. Ricky, Ricky. Uh, so Come sweaty. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I, I I spoke up for cats. I spoke up for turning. Um, me and Vicky are big fans of uh, Batman and Robin, but I, I want to hear from you guys. What is what, what's a widely regarded bad movie that 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 uh, you guys like? I mean, um, another one for me, I'll just say is. Um, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, is um, a movie I kind of became obsessed with after it came out. Um, I'll tell you, my, my experience of seeing it, which might be why, is uh, I kind of woke up, I guess, early, and my dad was going to the theater. He's like, hey, you want to go to movies with me? And I'm like, what are you seeing? And he's like, King Arthur. And I'm like, eh, all right, you know, like, whatever, you know. Just to go to the theater, I'll do it. And I was kind of just sitting there watching. I'm like, shit, I'm kind of into this. Damn, this movie's wild. Wow, man, this is, uh, this is, this is like, you know, this is kind of a weird movie to cost like $200 million. Um, and, um, this was before, this was opening weekend. So this is before, you know, we found out like Warner Brothers lost $125 million on the movie. Um, I I kind of became obsessed with the movie. I probably saw it like two or three more times in theaters. Bought the Blu-ray right as it came out. Watched it probably three or more, four, three or four more times. 
Um, I actually recorded a podcast, unreleased podcast with my friend about it because we were both big fans of it. We quoted it all the time. Yeah, and uh, uh, it's 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 a pretty weird movie. It's pretty weird movie for me to, you know, kind of latch onto. Um, yeah. It's got some outwardly kind of racist stuff in it, too, which is weird. Wouldn't expect it. Um, yeah, what, 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 come on. Give me, give me, convince me why a bad movie is good. Well, definitely the first one that comes to mind um, is Charlie's Angels, the kind of reboot with uh, Drew Barrymore, Lucy Liu, and um, Cameron Diaz. So. I love Charlie's Angels Full Throttle, which I think is the sequel, the name of the sequel, um, as Demi Moore. Well, I mean, both of them are pretty terrible, honestly. But I never, uh, I never expected Charlie's Angels to be good. So, and now I haven't seen like the re-reboot, the one with Kristen Stewart. Um, but I did kind of laugh that it was being just so hated on but it's like did you expect i mean the whole idea is it from where it originated from um is just kind of silly and fun and it's not supposed to be you know i don't know i don't know what people want like john wick or something um but charlie's angels full throttle i mean there's a a couple scenes i actually uh just rewatched on um youtube recently and uh just kind of like when they're i mean aside from the 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 special effects are just terrible um just the way that they talk is just very like you know they're they're talking in sequence they're always finishing each other's sentences um the dramatics are just ramped up uh there that scene especially like where uh where they kind of like trick Demi Moore's character um, and she thinks she kills them, but she, they're wearing like, like bulletproof vests underneath, you know, but so they're at the museum um, or the, the, is it a telescope? The famous one in LA and, you know, Demi Moore like reveals herself to them and just, just like by like turning of the telescope, it's just so cheesy. And then she jumps off, like does this, like 360 flip and it's just oh my god but what i like about the film is because you have all not just famous actresses or or, you know in or actors in this film i mean you have high quality um actors in this so it kind of shows like how great actors can can only do so much with the horrible cheesy writing um and and they and they did as well as they could you know especially demi moore's character i mean i i would honestly put her um what was her character's name like madison lee or something like that and i would put her as one of the toughest baddest bitches that on a list if i had to create a list um because to me she was tough and badass and she had these like uh like gold-plated um handguns and I wanted to be her when I was a kid, even though she was the villain. But I mean, everything about Charlie's Angels is terrible. Um, and but that's okay. It's like some films can be bad, 
and it's still entertaining. And just the fighting sequences, really, before we kind of understood decent fighting sequences like we do now and, like, the real effort that, you know, actors have to put themselves through to really kind of um, get something believable, like um, I'll kind of, like... Uh, like what Charlize Theron is doing. And I talk about that later because I watched The Old Guard and also kind of what she did with Atomic Blonde. I mean, it wasn't like that really in general and especially for women even, you know, a decade ago. Um, but aside from that, I really love Spider-Man 3. Y'all can hate me. And um, and if I think about terrible movies, stuff. like... <laughs> it's got some good stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, I like, I like Spider-Man 3 for some, some things. Yeah, and um, and when I think about like terrible movies growing up, uh, the first one that always comes to mind is Street Fighter. But to me, Jean Claude Van Damme was a badass, and I was all about like I watched more martial arts related films when I was a kid more than like kids shows. So I was always watching uh, like Jackie Chan films or uh, Jet Li films. Um, and I mean, some of them are kind of like cheesy, like Jet Li's The One is, uh, but that to me, that film was like a dream come true because it was like sci-fi mixed with martial arts. Like you're telling me he's going to parallel universes and he's kicking ass. Like that is brilliant. That is exactly what I wanted as a kid. Um, and I know that the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions are essentially terrible, but I don't think so. You know, it's their it's their world, and I don't want to be, like, a Star Wars fan. Like, I heard someone last week say, and I quote, I don't like George Lucas's take. And what? And I just find statements like that offensive. So, to me, if you're going to, like, like, then just don't like it. And it's not build your own fictional world and do it better everything that, like, you know, I don't know, pull a Jeeves Cameron then and just create your own world if you feel like you don't like it or you want to do it better or something. Um, but that's my little side tangent on Star Wars fans. But yes, the Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions are just suffocated with special effects. Um, and, you know, this was kind of like pre- Keanu really doing absolutely everything like he does now um, because I have like the 10 disc set and you know that shows a lot of behind the scenes and it's very much like an action and cut <laughs> you know right where like he's gonna get thrown or something and then they show like you know his stunt double just immediately like he just like does like a, a punch action move and uh, and then it's like his Stunt double for absolutely everything. Um, and now I feel like he's kind of put himself a little bit more in, in the shoes to push himself more. I feel like actors are pushing themselves more, which is interesting. Uh, I really like I really like the Matrix sequels. Um, which I guess is kind of widely regarded as bad movies. I didn't think about it. I just like every Wachowski movie. Um when you said Charlie's Angels, I hope you weren't going to say the Elizabeth Banks directed reboot came out last year because I really liked that movie. I didn't think I haven't people... seen it yet. I want to see it though. Oh. I just uh, have I, time. I, it's a lot of fun. I, I had a blast with that movie. Um, 
Yeah, uh, Kristen Stewart's got comedic energy. It, it, it's fun. Um, yeah, uh, I did not know that was the plot to the one, but as you said that, I was looking to find where to watch it right away. I had no idea it was sci-fi. Um, but that, that's gonna that's an instant watch for me right now. <laughs> um, Tristan, what, what? What? Come on, convince me on some baddies. I mean, it's like because Vicky Shorty mentioned some that I uh, was that kind of came to mind. Uh, I mean, particularly Spider Man Three, which I, uh, I mean, not not to say like you brought up like uh, I mean, I, I, uh, with the, for the same reasons that I was thinking. Uh, I mean, because it's funny, because Spider-Man 3, like, I, because I, I, I thought, because looking back at it overall, like, Spider-Man 3 uh, was all right. I mean, it had good moments, definitely. And, and it was obviously uh, uh, a situation uh, where it was a lot of uh, studio inter- interference at the time. But, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I told you guys before, like, Spider-Man 3 was actually the movie that kind of solidified for me that, okay, I want to be a film director because of how disappointed I was at the time. Um, cause like, cause that, cause it was 2007 and I was like, I mean, you know, keep in mind, I think I was like still an uh, elementary school. Yeah. Cause that was a time where that was, that was like, I feel like I've been like, like doing the same shit for, for as long as I have back in elementary, because even then I was like doing research for like movie sets. Cause like, that's where it all started. Like, cause when I uh, was really into uh, superhero movies. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of going on a tangent now. I'll I'll try to quickly sum it all up. When I was going through like you know my love for superhero movies, I wanted to figure out okay, what the fuck's gonna happen next. So I kind of like looked up Spider-Man three, um, among other superhero movies. So that's kind of like how I learned about the filmmaking process was you know because I wanted to see what was going on with these next superhero movies. So all these rumors, I was there for Spider-Man three from the beginning. I thought they're gonna have Man Wolf. I thought they're gonna have, uh, you know like uh like uh uh green like hobgoblin like which is another carnation of, of like the green goblin so i was thinking like oh man like they have all these characters then they said venom i was like it? no that's uh that's like a different that's a green goblin apparently if you want to be tentacle that's the green goblin it's not the uh, hobgoblin. i never yeah. thought about it okay. yeah i know i, I mean so. they yeah they never addressed it but i mean but yeah like it you know they yeah when they brought venom i was like oh shit like how are they gonna do this and and then like when i was reading all the rumors and stuff because that's when i got in too deep and like i i was just trying to figure out like what was happening i mean and and i uh read all these things all these casting news like everything i saw Topher grace that he was casted as as venom and i was like oh man this movie's gonna be fucking intense and like and, and as soon as the trailer drops like i showed it to my dad my brother like i was like in elementary school and i was like oh, i was knowing all this shit before anyone else did so i was like taking a lot of pride in that i was like oh man like i'm gonna show all my friends i'm gonna like educate the fuck out of everyone about this movie because it's gonna be fucking amazing and then when i watch when i watched it i was like wait what like because i mean it took a while for me to to process that what I was feeling was disappointment because if anything when I left the, the movie I was like I don't feel I don't feel whole right now it's like I don't feel like as good as I thought I would and then I realized I was in denial that I was disappointed and like there was a lot of things that over the next few years from that point I was thinking like what could I've done differently about this movie to like make it feel right and so all these different what-ifs in my mind that kind of like made it clear that i want to re i want to like remake this movie and then it just turned into like i want to just make movies in general so so this movie was like this movie was uh, like 
like a major, like a, a pivotal moment, like a, you know, like a major landmark in my life and my decision to, to want to direct movies. But anyways, um, I, I know I kind of went on a lot for like Spider-Man 3. Um, uh, like uh, the, the movie that I was thinking of, just to go back to your question, Jeremy, <laughs> uh, I was thinking of, uh, yeah, because because Vicky already mentioned like a bunch of others that I was thinking about, but like uh, Tenacious D, The Pig of Destiny, which I'm not sure if anyone actually liked this movie or not, but I know it was, it was kind of like, it had mixed reviews or whatever, but it stars uh, Jack Black um, and uh, uh, Kyle Kyle Gass, and you know they they actually have their their real life band, uh, you know Tenacious D, and and this movie was kind of like this uh, this uh, rock movie, and and I thought like at the time it was it was fucking awesome, and revisiting it now like I it's it's kind of like bizarre, but I think it still holds up because of how it just like in the time like it was in terms of like just this sort of band that's trying to uh this band that like they're they're nobodies but they're trying to be like somebody's and then they learn about this pick uh that that is uh um uh, like it, it's say it's say it has like some satanic uh mythology surrounding it that will basically give whoever has this pick this guitar pick uh, the power to, you know, become like the greatest, you know, rock star that ever lived, like that sort of concept. So they try to find this pick, um, and and like uh, they they try to, of course, go on. It's like a road trip movie uh, among like you know like a musician like parody type of movie. So it's kind of I don't know, it's cool. I mean, I I can't really explain it to detail because I feel like there's just so much shit going on in this that I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if someone didn't like it. But I think I like it because. It, it really kind of captures the, uh, I guess, the feeling of of, of this of this uh, sort of of culture, I guess, that this band is trying to convey. Where it's it's, it's all just rock. It's all like you know, just passion and trying to uh, to to grind to. And and there's like there's no shortcuts to get to where you want to go. And and like I mean, I'm kind of like going looking a little bit more deeper than I should, but it's just kind of like these sort of uh, uh, random like like steps that they take i mean it's all it's all absurd but i mean i don't know I, I don't really know if i got my point across with that movie but i think it's it's pretty enjoyable if you haven't watched it and it also has a killer soundtrack i mean it's basically a musical i mean you you have like jack black just kind of singing and then kyle gas like and it's and, and literally this one scene where where jack black is trying to like get go through lasers to you know to get this pick and he has to uh it's very inappropriate um uh, but he has to like focus on like extending uh, uh, his boner to press a button. Um, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's kind of it's that kind. I of, like that movie. Yeah, it's that kind of absurdity. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, like, I'm trying to think of any other movies because I mean, yeah, Vicky, I think he touched like about every other movie that because I was going to bring up The Matrix. I enjoyed The Matrix too, um, but. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm not gonna like try to add on to. It. I think I've used up enough time with the Spider-Man thing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I think uh, that's about all the movies I can think of right now. <laughs> hey, can I add? Can I add um, the X-Men Last Stand to this because to this day, I think even with the changes and the reboots and the everything that's gone on with X-Men, um, I still like. I, I still think X2 now I still think X2 is the best X-Men film. 
Uh, and, and I do sincerely think it's good, but you know, the X-Men last stand was just destroyed when it was released. And I mean, it is pretty terrible, but I think I like it so much because it was the best attempt at Jean Grey and Phoenix that we have still seen. Um, so of course they need to do a better job in general, but you know, Jean Grey is my favorite X-Men character. Uh, from the cartoon from when I was growing up to now still. And there just still hasn't been, uh, even with um, the latest uh, Gene, uh, like Phoenix, Phoenix film, I'm forgetting what it was called. Um, Dark one- Phoenix? Yeah, yeah. Dark Phoenix, right. With, um, what's her name from Game of Thrones? Sophie Turner. And, but to me, like Famke Jensen is still the best Jean Grey out there. I mean, she was amazing, and she again, kind of similar to Charlie's Angels. She, she, she worked with what she had, and she did it just so well. And I thought that she was scary, and I thought that she was intense, and I thought she really had these powers. Like I was, I was when when she was on the screen for the most part. You know, we kind of just don't talk about the last sequence, um, and the cheesiness of that, uh where Logan is, you know, trying to kill her or whatever. Um, and aside from the fact that it shouldn't be plausible, like, sh- he shouldn't have been able to do that. <laughs> but anyways, aside from from the technicalities of her powers, um, she was just, she was scary to me and terrifying. And I, I bought it. I completely bought it. And, and you know, um, she's just great. And also, I mean, how do you not mention The Last Airbender with this conversation? I think that, I mean, so many things went wrong, especially, you know, just having so much control, like when a creative has absolute absolute control over a story, the downside to that is that it's kind of hard to get somebody else's opinion in to change things that might be for the best, as the lightest way I can say it. But I also think that people expect too much sometimes. I think it's hard to t- make a, an animated... Animated shows work well because a lot of them have to deal with children saving the world, and that concept is just kind of ridiculous in real life. So I think it's hard to make kids come off serious and badass in live action. Um, so so to me, it was like, I'm sure it could have been better, uh, but I also think it, it was a solid attempt, and and it'll be really interesting to compare whatever they do with that again, you know, because with the actual creators having a say. So I wouldn't jump for excitement just yet um, because, you know, that doesn't doesn't necessarily mean much. Um, I think it'll still be difficult to make kids, real children, look badass scary and tough and still on top of that make it family friendly you know because if they took these kids stories and made them a little bit more dark and you know more pg-13 because it would never be rated r even though that would be kind of a cool idea um then we have to you know but to keep it g or pg or whatever i don't know i think that that's harder than we uh viewers like to just say we just you know we just expect it to feel the same way but it's 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 never going to feel the same way. Yeah. Um, and, and like, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Jeremy. I just want to make. Oh, no, no, go ahead. 
like um like uh yeah like i i'm also curious about like you know the the next uh uh live action attempt at this which is going to be through netflix because netflix are going to try to do like a live action series on you know from their end from what's been reported so like i'm curious about that too and like i i mean because i'm thinking about like good at like examples from what you described like i i mean i know like spider-man like with tom holland like isn't really i mean because it's it has like i mean because it's not like he's not like a kid kid but he's still a kid and like i feel like it's also family friendly enough and then also there's harry potter at least for maybe i don't know like i don't know i mean harry potter is kind of like i mean it gets dark but it's like like i also can't imagine like how Avatar would do it. I mean, there's, I guess, I think there's ways to get around it. I think, like, um, if they go through another attempt, I mean, hopefully it'll, it'll, like, translate a lot better. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I can't really remember that movie, so I don't really know uh, how well it holds up uh, now. Um, but, like, uh, but I also want to, like, say about, like, X-Men Last Stand, uh, too, like, about what you said. Uh, I... Like, it's funny because, like, literally the same creative team for that movie, or at least uh, the writer for that movie was the same person who did Dark Phoenix. He directed it and wrote it. So it was kind of like, it's the same. It, I don't know what happened with that. But, like, I, but I, well, the last stand, at the very least, despite it has having its flaws that I can uh, kind of, like, nitpick or whatever, um, I still, like, enjoyed it because it felt like like a genuine attempt it wasn't just kind of like you know oh they were just making this movie and not really like thinking it through i mean it actually seemed like they thought about it like like at least like maybe not as as long as they should have but like but just for certain themes like to kind of give uh this conversation like you know if they had a cure like would they take it or also um you know with like uh, jean gray like how like she kind of you know has this sort of dual uh uh, personality with this with this phoenix and you know inside of her and like i i mean i it's it's cool like i i love the music too i remember loving the music uh from that movie in particular i think that was like the i mean the x-men movies in general like i mean they usually always have like great music but yeah that one i remember like when logan uh would try to go to uh to gene like how he's like getting you know uh fucking ripped apart like that music uh, i think about that sometimes uh not like like just every other day, like oh yeah, I remember the X Men theme. But like, uh, you know, when I think about that movie in general, I think about that theme. Like, is it? It really kind of you felt the emotional, I guess, uh, emotional weight to that where he had to kill her. Uh, despite how cheesy it was, I I still really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry, Jeremy. <laughs> oh no, it's fine. Um, Mickey, I'm glad you made your uh, you made your amendment in adding those two movies because. Um... Yes, they're both widely regarded as bad. Um, I have not seen The Last Airbender. That and After Earth are the two Shyamalan's I haven't seen. And those kind of seem like out of place in his work. <laughs> um, like, they don't fit into his, like, canon of movies, weirdly. Um, but I will say about X-Men The Last Stand, that is a truly horrible movie. It, it's... Not only the worst superhero movie I've ever seen, it's probably one of the worst movies I've seen in my life. So the fact that you stand up for it, um, props to you. Uh, um, yeah, well, I, uh, I'm glad somebody could have the opposite feeling I have of that movie. Because um, I think all these movies deserve to be loved. Um, but, uh, I, oh God, that movie makes me angry Dark when I Phoenix think about it. Dark Phoenix is worse than the last 
All right. Here's my thing about Dark Phoenix. I want to move on, but Dark Phoenix has the best 20 minutes of or 15 minutes of any X-Men movie. The opening space mission is like, oh, this is X-Men. This is what X-Men should be. This is, I am watching a adventure in of X-Men. And I think that opening scene, action scene, where she gets blasted with radiation at the end, um, that is the best X-Men can be, bar none. The rest of the movie kind of sucks. Is that the worst X-Men? <laughs> but it's it, it's it's kind of just boring. Um, but uh, I will stand up for that first 15 minutes. I, I think it's incredible. Um, yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? So, Tristan, you like the X... The, not the X... The Matrix sequels? Yeah, the Matrix sequel is like, because uh, I mean, like I haven't, because I haven't revisited them for the last couple of years. But last time I watched them, I think maybe it was like 2000, like 15, 16, whatever, like around that time. Um, like I uh, enjoyed the, because because I, I even remember the theater experience, like watching Reloaded. It was fucking bizarre because like I, I remember like how, how when it just ended, it was like, wait, what? Like that's it? Like because I was at a kid, I was like really confused. Like this, TV they just TV. left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or like or concluded i don't remember how exactly how it was but oh like, yeah yeah concluded yeah like it was like it was fucking bizarre like I, when i saw the theater because that was my first matrix movie that i saw in theaters too as a kid like because the other one uh, i think I, I don't even know if i was even born like when did it come out again in like 99 okay I, actually i was born but um but yeah like uh yeah like it was I, I remember like really enjoying those movies because it it the, the Wachowskis they even even you can say whatever that you want to say but like you know how like their stories can kind of have like it's like it's sort of weird like uh, like moments I mean like there's there's like a lot that they're trying to like you know stuff in there um, but I I overall enjoy it I feel like they're very rewatchable like and, and if you kind of watch it like uh at, at the, the right place at the right time sort of thing i mean maybe not anywhere but um i mean i could imagine with their style and also the music it just kind of like brings you back like just something about uh certain movies like that i I'm been, i've been realizing a lot lately where you know especially when the early 2000s like movies that i thought or, or at least i remember at the time when i watched them i kind of like I wasn't sure what, how I felt about them, but then re- revisiting them again, I'm like, man, this is actually well shot, and like, or, or I'm actually like, like really, you know, into what I'm seeing. It, it's weird because, because when your question, Jeremy, the reason why it was hard for me to answer in general was because, like, like it's just because because my opinion right now probably won't mean shit later because like I could think like a movie is probably like not as good like The Turning, and then one day I'll just revisit The Turning, like maybe like a few years later, I'm like. Shit, that's actually pretty good. Jeremy was right. Fuck. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's just, it's just like, I don't know. It's kind of like that sort of thing where I don't really know what's good or bad anymore, like, for, for like, an old movie, because it's, everything's, my opinions and thoughts are, like, actively changing depending on, like, what I'm, like, experiencing or, like, what I'm consuming. And it's, it's very interesting, like, just to kind of, you know, like, figure out, like, what movie is, is seen as, like, bad. Because like uh, everyone's opinions, they there's just like so many movies that they keep 
bringing back again, saying like, hey, that was actually pretty good. And, you know, it's, it's also why we got classics uh, becoming classics because of these changing opinions, you know? Yeah. Um, I only asked about the Matrix sequels because I know I don't you like, like Speed Racer. <laughs> Watch Speed Racer, buddy. Oh, no, I watched Speed Racer. So what's your problem with the fucking perfect movie? I haven't watched it in a while. That's like that was my uh, problem. <laughs> that, that, there you go. Watch it again. <laughs> don't, don't condescend me because I love Speed Racer. It, oh, it's no, you I, that's the problem. You got to rewatch that. Or, may, or maybe it's my condescending tone. Like, I mean, I need to work on, on that, I guess. Oh, <laughs> no. we well, got to work on it. Rewatching Speed Racer. All right, let's talk about this. I would have brought up Speed Racer, but uh, critics have, like, reassessed that movie and are with me. And, you know, (laughs) a lot of critics think of it as a modern masterpiece. It's it's, it's a classic. They're right. It's it's as good as The Godfather. Okay, see? This this is what I'm talking about. (laughs) This time it was kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Tristan, you got coming up. I recommend watching Speed Racer. That's my one recommendation. I will yeah. give you my Blu-ray because oh. you gotta. That's the my one criticism of that movie. Can't watch it in low quality. It's impossible. All right. I tried watching my DVD copy and it was, it was just like a mess. I um, watched this and Cats. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> Moving on. I want to flip this question around. What's widely regarded as a great movie that you think is bad? Because um, I got a couple of these. Um, I guess my big one, which I'm not really sure, because a lot of critics kind of uh, think reassess this movie too. Um, I think The Revenant, Revenant is a pretty terrible movie, and it's probably one of Leo DiCaprio's worst roles. Or perform well, not performance. I mean, he's fine in it, but it it's not really a good. It's not really a performance. Um, and it's the one he won the Oscar for. It makes no sense to me, because honestly, if it was, I was put into the filming conditions of that movie, I could probably turn out the exact same performance. It, it's absolutely nothing. Um, that movie looks good, but it's so goddamn boring. I only saw it once. I think I went to the bathroom like three or four times during the movie because first of all it's fucking six hours long or whatever and uh um i i i if i liked the movie i probably would have held my bladder in more you know but i was just like eh, you know, let me go uh, um yeah I, I that 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 movie just sucks and it won like so many fucking oscars um tom hardy's pretty good in it i guess um he's doing something but Leo DiCaprio, you know, get out of here. That that's that's a lazy performance. Um, uh, that's that's uh, that sounds bad. Uh, my my other one, which I'm just I pulled up Iron to be and it was on here, but I've been having a kind of a you know reassessment of my opinions, like you, Tristan, this week, because um, I don't know why this movie popped in my head. But um, Joker, that movie fucking sucks. <laughs> terrible. It took me 
three times to see that movie in theaters where I stayed up through the whole movie. Every The first two times I saw that movie, I just kept falling asleep. Um, the first time I saw it, I completely fell asleep through every part of Zazie Beetz's performance. I was like, where is Zazie Beetz in this movie? Um, and I just kept dozing off, like, whatever, like, before, like, a second before she came on screen. Um, but why I've been thinking about this movie is, um, Joaquin Phoenix, I regarded as my favorite actor for a while. Um, you know, he's in a bunch of movies I like. But after seeing him in Joker, and just thinking about it, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that now. And I don't, I don't want to say that anymore because I, I, I'm like, he's just pulling these tricks out that he has in these movies, and now I got to see him in this, this fucking shitty Martin Scorsese movie, or quote unquote like fake Martin Scorsese movie. Um, and now I'm just like, I, I, I can't, I can't watch that movie and then be like. Walking Phoenix is my favorite working actor today because then I just think about this movie and I'm like, eh. yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I, it's embarrassing to say now. Like, I have to find another favorite actor. <laughs> um, and oh, weirdly, I just made this connection. This is also a performance at one best actor, which I'm like, eh, yeah, probably didn't deserve it. Um, this would have been the year I would have gave Leonardo DiCaprio his Oscar for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That is a Best Actor performance. Um, but yeah, the, the Joker fucking sucks. Uh, all right, come on, give me some hot takes on uh, good movies. Okay. Well, you know, I still have. <laughs> um, wait, hold on. So, did you say that you so you liked it before and now you resaw it and you didn't like it? Is this what I'm? No, say? no. I you never I liked it. Yeah, I never liked it. I'm saying Walking Phoenix was my favorite actor. And okay, now okay. about it, Joker, I can't say that anymore. You know, I still haven't seen Joker and I I don't know what it's going to take to make me press play on that film, but you know, I I even thought that cuz it's currently streaming on HBO and I was like, okay, maybe now I'll do it. So I added it, you know, to my list and Nope. You know, I just can't do it. I've been told by so many people to watch it. And just from varying different opinions, um, and there are some people that have told me to watch it that I'm surprised that they're telling me to watch it. Um, Like, I'm surprised that they liked it and things like that. But, you know, I don't know what it is. And I'm either going to, there's going to come a day where I watch it and I'm either going to, hate myself for having waited so long because I didn't enjoy it or I'm going to hate myself for not just trusting my instinct either way I think it's going to end up in a lot of self-hate <laughs> but um well I don't know I just can't I absolutely can't do it I, I've never been so uninterested but we'll, we'll see what happens one day um okay so on that note though of parallel universes of this whole world. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about is The Dark Knight. And Ooh. 
Um, it's so funny because you would almost think that I often feel like people are more descriptive when they hate something. And, uh, you know, for, for a couple of these films, I feel like I'm almost less descriptive because I, I, a, a lot of my reason is just that I'm not sucked in. I'm not, I don't know, I'm not seeing the magic that other people are seeing. Now, it's not that I necessarily think that The Dark Knight is bad. I just don't think it's as great as everyone thinks it is. So I'm kind of more in like a, yeah, to me, it it uh, stands alongside just a lot of, you know, um, just comic, kind of comic book stories. I mean, you know, their performances, them being, you know, between Christian Bale and Heath Ledger, I mean, he was great. He was. But I don't know. That's it. It's kind of all where it's kind of where it ends. It starts and ends for me. And uh, but I can admit a little bit of I have never found. Uh, now I now I'm not a comic book you know, kind of store or anything like that. So I'm the I'll be the first one to admit that. But you know I I, I think before this whole superhero boom in in the movie theaters blew up you know i think i knew you know maybe a little bit more than the average person i was definitely into them uh you know where a lot of people kind of got into them because of the theater boom so i mean i i was into them but so and batman has always been my least favorite so i, I can admit a bit of bias in that in in that where you know i just was not as interested in his world more than other you know of the of the typical comic book uh like the top ones that are the most popular between batman and superman let's say spider-man x-men like you know just the kind of more common ones that that we all know um moving on um now i don't know if it's fair to talk about a film that i couldn't finish but uh fury road is considered by everyone apparently except me to be an astounding film and i couldn't get through more than 45 minutes of it now again i think a lot of this has to do with personal interest for me and um so i can see why the film is interesting it's just not for me like there are just some films you know or every film has an audience and i'm just not the audience uh, for Fury Road, and uh, yeah, I don't, I don't like. I'm not interested in the world, in the colors. It, it, no. Anyways, um, and for animated films, I the first one that I always think of is Up. Um, I don't love I, that movie. I cannot stand this movie, and I cannot stand that people like this movie <laughs> because. <laughs> All I think about is a story that is, I don't, it's all over the place to me. You know, how it starts is where they get you. But next thing I know, there's, you know, just this, like, guy, I don't, I can't even remember now. And and, it, and then it kind of becomes about, you know, maybe, maybe it's supposed to be a story about how your heroes just aren't what they think they are and he ends up being the villain. I don't know. I just, it took a turn and it wasn't a turn that I enjoyed. Um, and I know that like little kid characters are like supposed to be cute and like 
Pillsbury Doughboy-ish, and we're supposed to... Uh, no, not for me. Moving on with that one. Um, and I wish there were more, like, elderly characters in kids' films, even as protagonists. So I thought that that was interesting, but... Uh, I don't know. Um, for very, like, popular cultish films that I really can't don't like is The Big Lebowski... Um, I guess I'm just not cool enough to get what everyone else is getting. <laughs> you don't get it, man. I guess not. Um, <laughs> I guess I don't. You know, I really was like so when I when I heard about the film years ago, and when I heard about you know, and I was like, man, I'm I'm so stoked for this. I want to be a part of the club, and uh, it was hard to finish. I did finish it. Um, and I was glad I did. Yeah. Just don't care for the characters. Don't care for the story. You know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell y'all. And um, it would almost be unjust to mention this last one. And, you know, I mean, because there's a difference between knowing what a film can teach you. And I don't know. And sincerely enjoying it. Like, Man, like, this experience is getting to me. So I understand the historical significance of this film. And I understand the film, um, like, technicalities of why it's, why everyone, especially if you're interested in making films, why you need to watch it. And, you know, you, it needs to be talked about in, like, every film class or whatever the hell it is. But that don't mean you gotta like it. And that goes to, what is it, the world's best film of all time? And that's Citizen Kane. I don't oh. like that film. I don't want to like it. And um, now, I, I love learning about it, and I like using it as a tool, because some of the things that were done um, just hadn't been done. So to me, I see Citizen Kane as a like a visual textbook. But that's where it stops for me. Uh, I don't want to watch it for pleasure. I can't watch it for pleasure. It's not. It's not doing it for me. Um, so you know, I really just hit the big red nuclear button. But I'm done. Uh, those are some. Uh, this is my hot takes. Um, <laughs> what do I say? Uh, um, up. I just want to say. The opening scene that everyone talks about, you know, the, the time lapse of the, the husband and wife. To me, that yeah. is peak Pixar bullshit. Like, that is just, like, it, it's just Pixar just doing its bullshit. Like, just trying to get you emotionally, and I, I think it sucks. I kind of like the rest of the movie. It's okay. It's, like, mid-tier Pixar, but, yeah, that that opening scene is just, like, yeah, that's like some like student film bullshit. Like fuck that. Um, um yeah, that's <laughs> very 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 hot take on what? No, sorry, I love that dis description. That that was beautiful. Student yeah. film bullshit. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Like, I mean, it's it. You know, I'd be like, oh, that's that's cute if it, like I like it came out of like UCLA or whatever, but you know. $150 million Pixar movie. Fuck that. Um, 
Yeah. Um, yeah, we've talked about, you know, about uh, your attempt to watch Mad Max Fury Road. I mean, it's okay. Maybe you'll come around to it one day. Um, shoot, what's the other one you said? Oh, Big Lebowski. I'll tell you, that was my number one movie for quite a few years. Like, all time. And then I saw it in theaters, like, maybe a year or two ago. And um, I had kind of a complete flip on it. Like, I found the dude to be quite an unlikable character. Like, he's kind of just like a dick. And um, it kind of flipped me on that movie. It's probably now, like, was my number one Coen's. And it's probably now, like, in my bottom five. Like, it just completely shifted all the way down. Um, the movie's on TV last week, and I watched like 30 minutes of it i mean it's still funny like still a good cohen's flick but um i guess uh i guess orson wells i don't know if i said on the podcast but he's probably one of my favorite people ever (laughs) so um i guess citizen kane is kind of like a bad approach to it because of all the baggage it has of being the quote-unquote greatest movie of all time but if you kind of just watch it separately I'm like, it's a good movie it's not my favorite Orson Welles movie but it's still a pretty great movie um yeah those are those are some blazing hot takes um all right let's see you live up to it Tristan um well I mean like as far as the recent examples because yeah because it does yeah like just like your other question it took it took a bit for me to think about this one which now I'm like realizing I had some answers for your last question but I'm not gonna confuse anyone here <laughs> um so uh, the first thing that comes to mind is bohemian rhapsody um oh and, people people don't like that movie well it, i mean it won a of oscars but <laughs> for some well, reason no people love this movie people love this yeah. movie you, so i oh, yes no, i, I, I love really that really mentioning it. this I yeah like yeah, because I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying, Jeremy, but yeah, Vicky, yeah, like, uh, I, I'm glad we <laughs> we recognize that a lot of people love it too. Like, I, um, yeah, because because it, it it's very like manipulative in the, in the way that like I feel like the reason why people love this movie is because like I mean, and this is like my favorite part of the movie too is just the fact that like it really extends like the music from Queen because I love Queen. I mean, a lot. Like, I I rarely see anyone who doesn't, or, or met anyone who doesn't love Queen, uh, music from Queen or whatever, but, like, this movie, it, at the very least, it allows you enough time to, like, you know, enjoy their soundtrack, which is probably, like, the only uh, positive that I can really think of. I mean, also, you know, Rami Malek, I mean, uh, Rami Malek, he's, uh, he's great in it, but, uh, but I mean, I feel like just just everything else, it, 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 like, it feels like it is just a by-the-numbers music, like, a flick where... I mean, you have, if you compare it to stuff like Walk the Line, Ray, I mean, like, those movies, like, they kind of dive into, like, you know, to, like, all different kinds of things. But, like, I feel like this movie doesn't really add anything, you know, to, like, to, uh, to biopic dramas. like, And also the, because of the, 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 the uh, surviving members, you know, that are still around, like, how they also kind of uh, had a hand in making this movie, uh, they, like, uh, you know, the, the production of it was kind of, like, giving, like, their... Uh, representation like uh, like I, I'm not like uh, uh, giving the representation but more like I guess just catering to what they think is a uh, an appropriate representation of, of, of their past selves 
which I feel like it kind of makes it less honest. Like it feels more just like uh, like a sugar coated version of Queen that it, it goes like above like all these you know stories that, that has been reported over the years or, or stuff that we've heard about these members, especially um, uh, you know Freddie Mercury, that it just makes it seem like a lot more just by the numbers where it's just kind of like okay are they gonna go they're gonna rise up they're gonna you know butt heads they're gonna you know like uh find a reason to come back together and then at the end you know it's gonna be like something that has to feel like oh yeah they, you know they're gonna do it like they're queen and and it's just it's just a shame because i mean i was really excited about this movie and on, on top of that like brian singer who was like the director initially behind this uh, he still gets, uh, um, uh, like, uh, you know, like the, like, uh, did he get the director's credit? I, I can't remember, actually. Did he get director's credit, Jeremy, or no? Uh, Brian Singer did get, um, yeah, he did get accredited as director, even yeah, though he didn't like, finish oh, the movie. No, it's DGA rules. He was fired, but, like, 70% of the movie was done, so. Yeah, because, like. Yeah, because it, 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 like, the, the whole production of, of it as well was just kind of like, I mean, because it was just a lot of stuff that I feel like it was just a situation where, okay, they're just going to make with what they can get sort of thing. But, I mean, it doesn't really seem like, I, I it just doesn't seem like it's, it, it, it had, like, uh, I guess, this sort of real story to, to, to tell about the band. Because, I don't know, like, I mean, I feel like it, it, it just, it's just by the numbers. It doesn't really, I don't, I feel indifferent going in and out of this movie like it doesn't really bring anything new i just remind myself well yeah like you know i love this track and i love this music but you know and rami malik i mean I, you know uh, like i mean i love i love him like i've seen him like you know all types of things like as far as like like night in the museum i remember night of the museum from when he started off as like a very small role to like now mr robot and you know these other roles i'm glad he's getting the recognition that he deserves like he's fantastic and i i i don't know if he was maybe best actor at the time but i mean uh, you know he did a great job as freddie mercury i can't remember the other uh nominees but like he yeah he was also great but yeah bohemian rhapsody i i mean i uh i, I it's just it's just a by the numbers music flick um but i i watched five minutes of that movie i could not finish it <laughs> oh, oh yeah and the editing the editing was atrocious i mean i i like the editing was just jesus like i mean that that movie like the reason why it won best editing was because there was just too many too much editing like to the point where i couldn't even like i, I don't know i mean I, like i said i feel like i'm probably just nitpicking at this point but i mean i just it, it's just so indifferent I, I, I mean i'm so indifferent about it that like i i don't know um but yeah uh american beauty is like something that I talked about Jeremy like recently, like how, like just thinking about it, it, it was a movie that I actually like loved at a time, but I think I watched it when I was in high school or something. And that was before like the, you know, the Kevin Spacey stuff. And also just, you know, me growing up to an age where I realized, okay, this is kind of fucking gross. <laughs> like in, in, in like a lot of ways and that I uh, recall, um, I mean, it, it, it's not really like, cause it, it's, it's critically acclaimed and like, I, I can kind of like, you know, there's some things I can still appreciate about it, but I just feel like a lot of it is just kind of, uh, like catering to this particular generation where they, um, I mean, I don't know, it, it, it didn't seem like it, it, it doesn't seem like it, it deserved like as much, 
uh, uh, praise now if you like give it some time to think about it because it really uh, makes it seem like this guy who's like Kevin Spacey in this case, like how he's uh, like a, a middle aged man and he's trying to, uh, you know, uh, uh, regain that that youth uh, that he that he so longs for, like kind of like being promised of this uh, particular, uh, you know, from this particular generation, how he would be able to um, get to a certain point as an adult, like how he could like kind of live this certain life that he was expecting and he's not getting anything out of it. And I, I, I like, there are like some interesting conversation, but I just feel like the execution and overall is just, it comes across as like either, you know, uh, boring or just gross. And, and I, uh, like I said, I, I just don't think it, it like, uh, it aged well. Um, and the Godfather part three is my, next one that i like to mention um the godfather part three is something that not a lot of people are actually like aware that it exists because i mean like the godfather part one part two that's like that's like the main two uh, the main ones that everyone knows and hears about but the godfather part three it just comes across as unnecessary to me because i mean it was critically acclaimed at the time and i think people did say that they enjoyed it from what I've read and, you know, uh, and knew about uh, from hearing everyone's reaction at the time. Uh, they all, like, you know, were in denial. Just like how like I was in denial with Spider-Man 3, like, it was kind of like the same, where it was like, everyone was excited about Godfather Part 3, but it was just unnecessary. It was just a cash, uh, a, a cash grab. And, like, all these, you know, interesting questions or, or you know potential storylines that they could have carried on from the part one and part two, like you know with uh, uh, you know with Michael, like you know how he could have uh, you know uh, been going through like like this process, like er after everything he's gone through in part one and part two, and what where he's at now and his like uh, his elderly you know state where he's kind of he's just grown old and you're just curious like okay where where all these where did all these characters end up. I mean, it, it just doesn't really explore, like, much of that. I mean, and also uh, 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 Francis, uh, you know, uh, Coppola's daughter uh, is, is uh, casted in this as well. And, and I, I mean, I don't really, I didn't really think much of it at all. But, I mean, like, her character really does get, like, like a major, um, uh, like, a major presence in the film that, I feel like it could be distracting because she she doesn't seem like she was um, um, like well it, it didn't seem like a good casting for her character for her to have that much of a presence because I mean a lot of people will kind of say like they kind of shit on her all they want I mean I, I don't really think it was like like it didn't break or the movie for me if anything it was just like the existence of the movie kind of broke it for me because by the end of it it just kind of seemed like okay this wasn't really needed. I mean, there's a there's a lot of interesting, you know, stuff in it that I feel like okay, this definitely could have been what the movie uh, would have been like if they actually kind of thought more about it. But I mean, you know, it was just a cash grab for, uh, you know, for the director at the time. And um, I mean, I, I just it's just a shame because I mean, you know, you if you wanted like an epilogue for these characters and then kind of you know wanted to see where they would end up. I mean, this movie doesn't really do a good job by giving you like that. It just kind of becomes its own thing in a way where you're kind of wondering, like, okay, like, what's the point uh, by the end of it? And, uh, uh, you know, also, um, I mean, I mean, th despite, like, it's it's moments where I, like, really enjoy. I mean, Al Pacino, I mean, he really goes, like, all Al Pacino in this. I mean, that's, like, something I really enjoyed. But, I mean, I, I just feel like it, 
comparing it to the first two, I, I I just feel like it it didn't hit the same way that that it should have. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. I think about these movies that I can think of. Uh, yeah, um, I've never seen part three of Godfather, but I mean, it, it had you know it had too much to live up to. I guess. Um, I yeah, I haven't seen about seen that movie but all i hear about it is sofia coppola's performance which uh is widely regarded as bad um <laughs> i mean yeah like it, it i want to say like it wasn't like that bad but i feel like she definitely shouldn't have been casted at like such like a major as a major character at the very least i mean that i, I feel yeah. like there's some yeah there's some like line delivery that she gives where it's just I don't know. It just kind of feels like you know anyone could have been in that role at that point. Um, but uh, um, oh, I mean, I also brought this up to you, John. I forgot to mention, like, uh, if, if everyone, if anyone's watched The Irishman, which is super long, but I mean, it's totally worth it. Uh, uh, like, I feel like, in a way, I would say that The Irishman kind of accomplished what I probably would have wanted out of The Godfather Part Three, which is just you know this. Uh, basically the story of the Irishman where it's about, uh, you know, this, this, uh, old, uh, this old gangster, like, you know, type like this person who was like, uh, uh, build and raised in this type of environment. Um, like where he's just, you know, he's just basically gotten old, uh, you know, uh, and he's kind of like looking back all these choices that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, was it all worth it sort of thing? Like that whole question is just kind of like, was it all worth it? And that's the kind of question I would have wanted for, you know, for the Godfather part three was like, you know, was it all worth it? Like for Michael to do what he did, like in part one and part two to get where he was. And I mean, I just, I don't know. I feel like it, like it didn't really hit like as well as it should have. And I, I mean, there are two different movies, but very similar things that I think that the Irishman like executed a lot better than the Godfather part three could have. Um, and yeah, like that's about what I want to say for that. I think now <laughs> uh, I second watching the Irishman, the last 30 minutes is like, uh, yeah. I, I think one of the best <laughs> last 30 minutes to like any movie. It, 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 it pretty much redeems all my problems with, uh, Mario Corsese and the, 21st century which <laughs> i could mention like three of his movies from the 21st century as bad movies that people like um but i won't <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh other ones you mentioned you also brought up two movies where the um the lead actor won the oscar um you're asking about who rami malik went up against uh not a good lineup, honestly. Um, you got Christian Bale in Vice, um, Viggo Mortensen in Green Book, um, Willem Dafoe in that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> got to green that book. Um, Willem Dafoe in Eternity's Gate, and the honest to God, clear winner. It, it's just an absolute shame didn't go to him. Um, Bradley Cooper in A Star Is Born. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a fucking performance, and yeah, it like, um, it just sucks that yeah. Um, the best actress light up that year was a lot stronger. Um, but uh, yeah. Um, 
that movie, uh, Bohemian, I, I guess I'm, like, too much in a bubble, um, you know, of, like, uh, of, like, just, I guess, fucking nerds, you know? But I, <laughs> I, I, I guess I didn't realize how much the general population loved that movie, because, I mean, it made, like, $800 million, $900 million worldwide, yeah. which it's is queen. insane. Yeah. And you, I don't love Queen. I love, like, Queen. They they have like I don't know probably like eighty songs and I probably know like ten of them that's it like I, I, they you know they got a lot of strong classics that's yeah. I like a wide discography and my favorite song from Queen is the one they did with David Bowie who I love Under Pressure yeah um yeah big fan of David Bowie um it's yeah American Beauty sorry. <laughs> I mean, like, I know he passed away, but like, you know, a, a, like someone to like play him as him. Oh, like, have, yeah. yeah. I don't know who would play him. I, I probably make a whole topic of that. I, I don't want to know who could be David Bowie. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um. I was talking to you. About, yeah, we we're talking about American Beauty. Yeah. Like, kind of being why we regard as bad, and I can't remember. We mentioned another movie, and I don't remember what it is, but um, you know. People probably don't like it. Oh, here's yeah, here's one I want to quickly mention. Speaking on um, Spacey, um, Usual Suspects, bad movie. Oh, I I yeah. don't get it. I do not get that movie. Like the the love of it. Like that that quote unquote. You know, well, it is a twist ending. When that twist ending came, I'm like, all right. So, like <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it. I don't. I didn't care for it. Like I was. And I saw it at an age where, like, like those kind of movies made big fucking impressions on me. Like, where, like, yeah, I became obsessed with Fight Club after I watched it, you know? And, like, this is the type of movie that could have done that to me. And I watched it, I'm like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> um, But that movie is made by a monster and stars a monster, so, um, yeah. Uh, leave credit where you know it's at. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah. You name movies that I didn't, I didn't like in the first place, and then Vicky named movies I liked. So uh, I like that variety of answers. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I guess we can move on to what we've been watching. Um, I guess I'll let one of y'all start because I kind of got like a. Not a bummer thing, uh, just a bummer opinion. Um, so, uh, Vicky or Tristan, whoever wants to go first. Um, I'll, go, I'll go for it. Yeah. Okay. Ladies first. All right. <laughs> so, um, it's funny because, like, I think, like, a few episodes now, I mentioned at one point I was going to talk about that I saw Unsane. <laughs> And yes, please. I never Tell mentioned me. it until today. Um, okay, so Unsane is streaming on Amazon Prime, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And the reason why I, I watched it is because uh, I loved Contagion, uh, which is probably my favorite like pandemic-esque film, um, and side effects as well. Although, and you know, he's 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 got a name that you definitely. Um, you know, 
you know, anything about film, even just a one or two, you know, his name clearly gets brought up. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a huge fan of him, but, you know, I kind of just went off of those two films and decided to press play. So the story is about a young woman that is involuntarily committed to a mental institution where she is confronted by her greatest fear. Um, but the question throughout the whole film is, is it real or is she delusional? So really the aspect that I want to talk about with Unsane is that it's a necessary reminder to aspiring filmmakers that you can make a great film with a cell phone. Um, but at the same time, it would be incomplete if I also didn't mention that there's a bit of an arrogance to that um, because he's uh, fucking Steven Soderbergh, okay? So where uh, aspiring filmmakers kind of have no other option to do it, um, someone like him has the choice to. And I think that that should just kind of be highlighted. Doesn't mean that it should take away from the fact that um, it's still an impressive effort, no matter who you are. But it would be incomplete, like I said, to ignore the fact that he probably didn't have to do it this way, and he chose to. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that it, it was also chose purposefully, because it, it goes well, you know, he probably seen that it goes well with the story, especially her being in a mental institution, and is she delusional, and all that kind of stuff but um i don't know if it being shot on a on an iphone really added anything or took something away from the film i think that you know it's definitely recognizable that it was shot on a lower quality device than a you know tens of thousand film camera um but you know while i was watching i kept asking myself if, if it would have been better if shot in a larger budget. And I kind of don't have an answer. I don't know. Um, you know, I can just kind of leave it up to one of y'all to decide if, if you've seen it uh, or if you're going to. But overall, it's 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 interesting is, is kind of where I'm left with it. Um, that's it. I mean, I would only really recommend it if, if you're kind of like a... Soderbergh completionist um but it's also not something that I would I feel like I have to stop everyone to to go and see you know um it's it's good but that's it that's I almost don't even have too much to say about it um to a couple other things I want to talk about that I'm also going to try to keep short I did watch Hamilton on Disney plus it is the world-renowned musical by Lin-Manuel Miranda. So it's kind of like a postmodern take on the story of Alexander Hamilton. Um, so it's like his story, but it uses music, uh, a music style, and current language to, to tell his story. Um, although they kind of kept the setting, like the set pieces or the clothing related to that time. I mean, Hamilton is... If you kind of exist at all in this world, you've probably heard about it, whether or not you've listened to the music prior uh, to watching this or, you know, having seen it live or anything. I mean, it was something that I wanted to watch in person, but clearly that wasn't a possibility. So is Hamilton entertaining as hell as it was said to be by a bunch of high school 
children? Yes, it is very entertaining. Um, my younger sister, she was like obsessed with the soundtrack in high school. I think, what was it, like around 2016? So when Disney Plus announced that they were going to release this um, on their platform, she kind of made it like a family event to force us all to sit down and watch it together. Uh, she actually had seen it um, on the stage when it was when it was here. And I, and, and I was kind of hesitant for this to watch it on, um, online, I guess, because I did want to watch it in person. And they were actually here back in February, you know, before COVID. Um, but it was so expensive to get tickets. And I, and I can be pretty bougie when it comes to, to uh, you know, dishing out the money for a show. But, I mean, it was just out of this world. We're talking about hundreds of dollars for, uh, like, a mediocre um, seat. And I don't do, when it comes to live performances, you know, going back to calling myself bougie, I don't do mediocre seats. I'm at a point now where I only really do, um, like, lore orchestra uh because i work too damn hard to sit in the back but it was still too pricey for me then and with covid going on now i figured who knows when i'll ever go to a live show so uh we i kind of sat down and it was amazing and entertaining and um just mind-blowing so definitely i would say if you already know if you love musicals you probably already know about it and you probably already watched it um or saw it live or something like that um but i want to kind of reach out to the people that claim that they don't like musicals um or maybe they're just unfamiliar with musicals i think hamilton is an amazing choice for someone's first musical because you know going back to the fact that they you know kind of use music and language of now i think that it, it won't feel like like such a distant story you'll actually feel like this story of Alexander Hamilton, you know, happened a few decades ago, which is not the case. Um, and I think it's has this great uh, non like non binary appeal. I think it's great for women or for men. Um, it's of any age. I mean, it does. It kind of goes back to similarly to what I was saying about True Lies. I think it does. It's really great at capturing all audience members, no matter you know, what your background is. Um, I think it's it's appealing, could be appealing to everyone. And the last thing I want to talk about is The Old Guard that is streaming on Netflix, uh, Jeremy's number one streaming platform. I'll never it, watch it. <laughs> um, I, I watched it because I had this more kind of within the last few years um, deep appreciation for Charlize Theron, who I mean has been in in so many great films. But in regards to like really stopping and just watching something that she's in simply because she's in it is very recent uh, for me. But she's just kind of tapped into some stories that, um, even though you know I just kind of dissed on uh, Fury Road, but moving uh, ignoring that one for a second. Um, she's kind of reached this point for me where if she's in it, I want to see it just because I've become really impressed uh, by her work ethic and just, you know, she's already had great ability. Uh, that's that's always been clear, um, especially, you know, she won an Oscar for at a very at a young age and she deserved it. 
Um, but anyway, so it was directed by Gina Prince by the wood and it was adapted from a graphic novel. Um, and who also the, um, the novelist for that also wrote the screenplay. And I think it's like Greg, like Rucka or something like that. Um, so you can't get more basic plot than this. A group of immortals fight for their survival, you know, against a medical juggernaut. Um, how was it? It was okay. Um, everything that you think will happen likely will happen. Uh, perfectly follows a three-act structure, and it ends in a way that is gives an obvious possibility for a sequel. Um, basically, they're kind of like begging for one with how it ended. Uh, I the reason why I watched it, other than for just the actress herself. Uh, was because of the what I hoped for were the uh, entertaining fight, fighting sequences. Uh, they were okay. Um, I thought the fighting sequences would be the... Well, they were the reason why I pressed play, but they actually weren't the reason why I kept watching. Um, I cared about the characters, which is saying a lot for a big-budget-style action flick that is, for the most part, mediocre. Um, I was kind of surprised to see that it was rated R, which I'm assuming it's primarily due to language, because there were some fighting sequences that I definitely expected to be more violent, and I realized, huh, I guess maybe they're kind of trying to keep it down, keep down on the violence a little bit. Um, so, for example, there's a, a moment where a gun goes in a mouth, like, to, and is shot, um, and they kind of cut to the shooter instead of actually showing like, like, you know, like something like John Wick where you would like see it in the mouth and boom and like the gun and the splatter and the everything. Um, I, I thought the film was going to be a lot more violent than it was. But uh, yeah, you know, eh, I wouldn't rush to it. <laughs> but the main thing really that I have to say and w which was killing me, I mean, if it wasn't for this kind of pandemic lifestyle that we're all going through, I, I may have not kept watching it. Um, but I don't know. The characters did did sell me enough to keep me going. And, uh, um, but I have to say that the soundtrack was atrocious. So much to the point where I almost just kept watching because I kind of wanted to see what the next terrible song choice was going to be. Um, because, I don't know, you, you, at the end of the day, I feel like soundtracks have to fit what is happening on the screen. So whether or not you enjoy, personally enjoy the music, it works. It has to work well. And an example that I can think of is the Fast and Furious because, I mean, it really just... <laughs> just really pulls out all of the stops for just, uh, you know, especially kind of including like music of whatever region that they're kind of shooting in uh, and always doing this kind of like Hispanic touch thing. And, but it works. It works for when the engines are being revved and they're at a party and there's just like, just all these basic shots of women and cars and, and it just works well. But this like, club vibe that the old guard was trying to do I don't I don't know if 
people are just missing being at a festival or something, but it w- it just did not fit with any of the sequences. It it just I think it actually could be argued that it brought the film down. I mean, instead of just kind of getting a, you know, I mean, again, I don't know, I'd have to look at the details, but I feel like instead of just getting a composer uh to just kind of add maybe like just original sound to it it just was all these like festival club hype music to add to just make certain scenes like more badass like you would have thought that if this film came out 10 years ago maybe it would have worked but it just seems like such a bad move and I don't know why anybody just didn't signal like why are we doing this this is such a bad choice um uh but you know I I did make it to the end so when it's so easy to turn off a film especially when you're watching it uh from home but yeah yeah if there's a sequel it's a hell to the no (laughs) um Oh, I forgot to tell you earlier, Vicky. Um, Charlie's Theron listens to the show actually. And she said she wasn't, you know, she was a Vicky head, but I don't know how she's gonna feel after that. Uh, where did all these people reach out to me? Because I'm on social media. They sent me letters. Yeah, I don't know they found my address. Um, I I've heard good things about Old Guard, but every good thing I heard about it, they're like, oh, the song drops suck. And um, I didn't realize it was that type of music. And that made made me not want to watch the movie. Besides it also being on Netflix, um, (laughs) might push me away. Uh, And that's always, a a bad song drop is the worst. Um, It it honestly probably brought down um, uh, Captain Marvel for me by like half a letter grade. Uh, But uh, I I just want to say... I'm interested that you had the exact same opinion on Unsane as me. It's an interesting movie. It's good. You know, don't go out of your way to watch it. Um, but I will say I do also agree with you. And I'm, I'm glad you literally brought up the exact same point I have with this movie is um, Steven Sodenberg's arrogance to think like, oh, anybody could shoot a movie on an iPhone. You have a budget of a million and a half. You've been working in the industry for 30 years so you have the experience you know you're kind of just you know you're not really making a statement like i mean i'm more impressed by something like tangerine that was shot on an iphone because that was from a first time filmmaker you know this is a i'm saying it's a studio movie so i you know i I just i didn't like him doing that um he did it but he did state his word he shot his next movie high flying bird on there, um, which I haven't seen yet, but I hear is the a very good movie and you know, excellent screenplay. I don't know why I haven't, I haven't because uh, got a bunch of people I like, but uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's interesting. And Hamilton, I want to watch it, but I feel like that's something I'm gonna be like the one person that hasn't watched it for some reason, um, even though I want to. Uh, Tristan, what have you been up to? 
Um, so I, you know, I was actually watching a couple of, uh, uh, Martin, uh, Scorsese flicks. Uh, I mean, his one of his earliest, uh, movies, uh, I, the first one was Mean Streets, which was, uh, apparently the movie that kind of brought, uh, Martin Scorsese to everyone's, uh, attention where, you know, he, uh, directed it in the 70s. I, it, I think it was released in 1973. And it's basically, uh, I mean, at least when I was watching it, it it's, it's basically a hangout movie. I'll, at least I'll describe it that way. Um, because it, what I like about Mars Scorsese movies is that, like, typically, uh, at least a, a huge chunk of them, there it, it doesn't feel like there's any uh, plot majority of the time. It's mainly a character study. Um, you know, for a lot of his movies, and this movie, uh, I mean, it's not really a character study, I, I suppose, but it's it's uh, got some characters that, uh, you know, uh, it has a Harvey, uh, uh, Harvey, uh, 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 a Kettle, like God, uh, like I am I Kettle, all right, yeah, like and uh, Robert De Niro uh, in this movie, uh, you know, Robert De Niro, he's in the supporting uh, uh, actor. Uh, uh, actor role in and Harvey he's the main protagonist where he's a nephew of, of a mafia man who's uh, basically kind of you know running things uh, you know in little, in little Italy and and uh, Harvey is just kind of going around with his uh, street pals uh, kind of getting to these shenanigans where you know someone uh, you know may may be in some hot water and you know like sometimes they'll go into the movies sometimes someone will just get shot and they have to you know just bail uh, you know just typical 70s um, and I mean it was cool I I feel like this was kind of uh, more of just just an observation in a, in a way where you're just kind of with them like on a on a day-to-day basis where they're, you know, they're going to the movies, or there's music playing in the background, and, and I like, I love the, the the fact that I think this this movie if, uh, could have been the one that really showed the sort of uh, jukebox type of uh, uh, inclusion where where Mars Scorsese he would have like all these random songs playing in the background of his movies. And I, and I, and that's kind of like what I love about some of his movies too. I, I mean, I know some people kind of look at it as a joke now, <laughs> uh, which, you know, I know it's kind of like just, this is sort of like, like gimmick or whatever, I, I guess. But I mean, it, to me, I, I think it's, it's, it's cool that uh, in this movie, it really, everything felt natural with, with the music. It, it all felt like you really were there just kind of experiencing uh, that time and place um, and and these characters how complicated they are with with Harvey's character he's uh, trying to you know like uh, stay in good uh, in, in, in good shape for you know for his uncle uh, and, and and Robert De Niro's kind of like someone who's just he's just like like off the off the ball like I mean he's he's constantly getting himself into trouble like you know taking out loans and and like you know just kind of you know uh, disappearing for a while when everyone's trying to ask him like hey where's where's he at you know like get, make sure he pays uh you know let, let him know that he that he needs to pay me back or or else you know something's gonna happen whatever so you know Robert De Niro's is that type of character but he's he's cool because I mean especially in this in this movie I feel like he's just so unpredictable that. I mean, he does all these random things, and it's kind of like, I mean, I, Robert De Niro was just, just so fucking awesome. I mean, he has such a great filmography, and and his acting range is just unbelievable. Uh, like he really kills it in this movie. Um, you know, playing this complicated uh, character, 
Um, and also Harvey, he also does a great job as well. Like he really, uh, you know, kind of, uh, really, uh, shows like this sort of complicated mentality at the time. I mean, just trying to stay, I guess, like in line with his, uh, with his faith or, or his, uh, you know, his position or he's, he's constantly questioning himself. It seems like, uh, with, with his culture and his beliefs and he's, you know, it seems like he's going to do this or that. And then it's kind of like taboo for him to do it. And, it, and it, you know, it's just kind of stuff like that. And I, I, I like it because it's it's not really like something that you have to necessarily agree with. Because, I mean, of course, watching any, you know, Mars Scorsese movie, I mean, he doesn't really sugarcoat like a lot of the characters. I mean, they they are like, you know, complicated people. I mean, you know, you might think something, uh, you know, may be racist, but that's just the character or their culture that they're in. And, and and it's real like it's it feels like you know these people aren't you know like black or black and white like he could kill someone and then just like decide like oh you know like like i'm not gonna kill you or whatever i mean just just because like it seems like morally uh 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 in line with with what you what with where you stand but i mean because these characters are are in these environments and or they're they come from this particular culture i mean they they just you know they just don't do certain things for for ignorant reasons or or, or not really uh, ignorant reasons in their case and in their context it's just more like how they're raised and what they're what they believe in you know from their perspective I mean of course these people exist whether we like it or not they exist and it's an interesting observation kind of seeing how you know their environments have, you know uh, lead them to the choices that they've made in these stories and these movies. And, and that's what makes it really worth watching is just kind of trying to understand or get inside their heads to figure out, you know, why in the hell will they do something like this? And, and I, I think that's fun. Like I'm, but, but with that said, main streets overall, I just to kind of, you know, wrap it up. I would, I would say that if you want to see what Mars Scorsese was doing before he kind of got a little, you know, more, uh, uh, prophylic, uh, and, and the, uh, uh, the, the film world, I would say, you know, watch Mean Streaks because it's uh, it's it's an interesting, uh, you know, uh, landmark for him to kind of see where he was at before he kind of got to stuff uh, like, you know, like Goodfellas or or, um, you know, Casino and, and stuff like that, because you kind of see all these different hints in this movie in particular. And it, it really kind of shows uh, just how, you know, how much he really uh, let the, the stepping stones to, to become like the filmmaker that we know him today. Uh, but yeah, like I, you know, all great performances. And I think, you know, again, there wasn't really a, a, like a story in this. It was just like a hangout movie and you were just kind of with these, uh, street life, uh, peeps in the little Italy. So it was a very, very interesting, uh, observation and, and cool, uh, you know, cool first, first, uh, not like first pick for him, but just like, you know, like major like movie for him. Um, but, uh, the next one that I saw, I mean, I, I've actually watched like a like a bunch of Mars Scorsese movies, but I mean, like uh, the ones that I watched recently, uh, uh, like it was Main Streets and then uh, Taxi Driver, which I watched uh, again. Like you know, uh, I, I haven't watched the movie like, like in a while, and, and Taxi Driver. It's funny because we were talking about Joker. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of because because Jeremy said that he didn't like Joker, and I, I mean, like because Joker is a movie that no, like, oh, I hate Joker. Yeah, (laughs) correction. Um, But yeah, like, uh, yeah, Joker is a movie that I I just accept. I mean, it's like it's a subject matter that 
interests me, but at the same time, I've seen it executed better, which means that, like, you know, whatever this movie did, which is obviously just kind of borrowing from what Mars Scorsese had, has already done with his uh, earlier movies, like, you know, Taxi Driver and King of Comedy, um, I feel like those movies are very superior in their way, and, and, and I just feel like Joker is kind of, like, sugarcoating uh, what's been done before, and, and it's... I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I... Part of me wants to say that Joker is still fine. I mean, I Walking Phoenix. I mean, I, you know, it's not going to affect how I feel about him. I still, I still think he's fantastic. But yeah, with Taxi Driver, uh, with with what is with what is uh, accomplished in its story, uh, which isn't, uh, which is more of a character study again in this case uh, from Martin Scorsese, is basically this uh, uh, this uh, veteran from uh, you know from the Marines. Um, uh, he, uh, is like in his, uh, late twenties or, or mid twenties. I think he's like 27, I believe, if I can't remember correctly. And he's, uh, you know, just, uh, going, uh, to, uh, going to the taxi business. Um, and he's, uh, uh, basically, uh, just riding, you know, through New York, like, and this is like New York in the seventies where it's just dangerous as hell to be, you know, out there at night, uh, with, you know, with all these, uh, you know, uh, 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 people who are like, like there could be uh, murderers, uh, uh, pimps, child, child molesters, just uh, you know stuff like that. And, and that was that was like New York at the time. I mean, and the, even the filming of this movie was, you know, during all of this stuff going on, with no, uh, I, at least from what I can remember reading about it, no protection from what I understand. So it was just as risk, you know, just as dangerous seeing it like as as it could have been probably filming it. I would imagine. And and it's crazy because uh, Mars Scorsese, like he really showed like how like you know like this whole uh, place at the time how like society can really you know kind of creep into like uh, these sort of people like like uh, Robert De Niro's character who's who's playing uh, you know the protagonist in this case the the the, the ex marine uh, how you know he he already explained himself that he's not you know really well educated and and he doesn't uh, really care about politics. Uh, but, but he, he's just disgusted by, you know, by like everything that he's seen, like he's just observing like everything and, and you're kind of trying to figure out like, you know, what's going through his head. Like, you know, what, like, where is this going? And, and, uh, you know, it, he bumps into some other characters, uh, like someone who, uh, is working on a campaign for, for a politician who he basically just stalks and, and kind of pressures her into dating him. Um, and, and it kind of, it kind of gets blown off eventually, uh, and, and it just kind of like goes like into these, uh, you know, deeper, deeper rabbit holes where you just kind of see like how really unstable this person is and how, uh, being a taxi driver in this sort of, uh, era of New York where society appears to be really just, you know, kind of, uh, just, just as worse, you know, peak of just, just like allowing all this, uh, uh, uh cruelty to, you know, to occur, like, I mean, it really affects him and influences him in a way where he just kind of explodes, like, in, in, a, in a way that you uh, that you wouldn't anticipate uh, before. Because because it, it just kind of shows how complicated this person is, like, how, like, all these different factors with where he came from, from his initial environment, you would imagine, from what was explained to, like, him being in this current environment, just all these number of factors, it's just this pure pressure, and he's not getting any sleep, he can't sleep, and it's just kind of building and building, and and I feel like that's what the Joker was trying to do, but if you watch Taxi Driver, like, it does it, like, 
a thousand times better because it's just more. It, I don't know. I, I just it just it's just more real. I mean, I can't ex- explain it. Like, I mean, I like. I mean, I uh, other than the fact that you know, watching Taxi Driver, you can kind of see what I mean. And like, um, uh, I think that by the end of it, like, w- which was interesting because I was watching it while my girlfriend was asleep. Because uh, <laughs> she she was awake. She watched the first thirty minutes of it. But she slept for like the like the the whole middle part. So the story isn't really structured like you know like a third act or anything. It's just you know, again, a, a character study. So you just kind of follow all these different situations that the that the characters in as the as his un, uh, you know as he grows more unstable, and and like uh, you know like he decides to to buy a gun, and it just kind of like becomes more like okay, where's this going? And you know, just stuff like that. And then by the time my girlfriend wakes up, it's kind of like the end of the movie, and then she sees like how it ends. And, and you know, and she's like, "What the fuck? Like, what happened to this guy?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, like it's it's just so funny because like I always kind of wondered that like she she watched it at the beginning at first she was like, eh, you know, like she wasn't she didn't seem like that interested. Uh, I mean, and then she fell asleep because uh, she you know, she takes her like her her mini naps or whatever during the day, and then then when she woke up, like she was just kind of like invested like based on the the transformation of the character where he ends up by the end of the movie." And like, I mean, that's just fucking awesome. Like how you know, if you watch something like from the beginning and then you don't know how how what kind of place you'll end up by the end, like that's that's why I just love you know these type of movies because I I mean I I, I can never I can never like uh, really walk out of a movie or just stop watching at least until I see the ending to kind of you know make a point to it. Uh, and I feel like Taxi Driver really accomplishes that because the ending it, it, it ends in a way that you didn't expect it to from the beginning. Um, or I mean, you know, of course, I, you know, at least if you saw Joker, you probably could, I guess, maybe predict how it'll end in some way similar. But um, uh, the the ending is also kind of left like just just ambiguous, where you don't really know uh, once once it kind of ends, like it kind of goes on a little bit more, and you don't really know if. If uh, if something meant what it what it what you, how you, as as how you saw it or just kind of like it, it makes you think about it it makes you think about like a lot of the events that occurred in the movie and I uh, I really just love you know just how how complicated and how dark it you know really got uh, throughout uh, you know the the begin from the beginning to the end and it's it's just awesome like Robert De Niro he really killed it I mean he really could tell he I mean he lost a lot of weight for this role. And just went like you know like a hundred percent into the character like he was fantastic as always. Um, so yeah, I would recommend this. I mean, if you like the Joker, if you want to uh, see something similar uh, to the Joker, or maybe even something better, arguably that I would say is better than the Joker. Watch Taxi Driver, or even watch King King of Comedy. I didn't watch that recently, but King of Comedy is also. Uh, fantastic, which explores similar, you know, uh, uh, themes for Taxi Driver, but just in, in a different way, in a different setting and uh, situation. But I mean, similar themes. Um, and uh, yeah, like between those two movies, I'll definitely recommend it. Um, but um, that, but yeah, those were two movies. And then the, I'm going to end off with a show that I watched on Netflix, which is actually a, a reboot version of Unsolved Mysteries. It's a docu series. Um, about uh, just basically, you know, like unsolved mysteries. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. But I mean, I, what, what I thought was interesting, I mean, because Netflix, they they will shoot out like a whole lot of like documentaries, you know, stuff. And I and I think it's 
it, it's like it's it's cool to see you know like what kind of narrative uh angles they could take for certain stories and i think unsolved mysteries what i like about this in particular um was the fact that it uh it, it basically it, it didn't really get, it doesn't really give you any the answers that you're you're looking for because there there are no answers like the whole point is like they're promoting just how like how many red flags are in you know these these cases where i mean you have people that that are murdered or, or missing um and and it's just insane like how uh you know how like something like like uh like this could could happen because these are kind of stories that inspire you know uh the uh, movies that you know they have like all these uh uh complicated characters or, or situations that you think are unrealistic from a certain angle sure but i mean these docuseries what i love about them is that they're real life like they're true stories there's no writer that's like you know uh kind of trying to find like a shortcut uh to you know get to like a twist or whatever i mean no this is this is like real life and i and i think it's it's very interesting to kind of like uh you know uh hear these interviews from real life people who want to tell you know these stories who want to you know find answers to these uh, uh, cases where their loved ones are are either missing or or their their death is unexplained and it's just it's just crazy man like it's it's crazy how how like you know something like like this show could could just so excellent excellently uh, uh, craft like like almost like a, it almost feels like a promotion by the end of it just like this this uh, sort of uh, case where yes like uh, is this is this worth looking back into you know essentially like i mean is this a cold case or you know can we actually find answers you know to this uh this unusual circumstance and and i and there's like one in particular where uh like i mean i think it was the first episode where some some guy uh like he uh cuz cuz his wife uh, he he recently got married and and his wife uh uh was trying to call him and he didn't answer his phone. And then later she finds out that, uh, you know, he's missing. And so for eight days, you know, goes by. And then, you know, eventually is discovered that, that, uh, like at the, at, at a hotel, uh, I think it was the, the, the Belvedere. I, I can't remember if that's the name of the, of the hotel or not, but like it, it basically the way how it's described in the story itself is that, you know, on like it's, it's on the roof of of of, a, of an abandoned room, a conference room. Like there's a hole in the ceiling, and apparently he plunged through that hole, and and the police assume that it's suicide. But there's just so many uh, different things where it's kind of like you know when you when you uh, have experts kind of uh, observing just kind of like the logistics behind everything, just trying to figure out okay how could he have like plunged through this this conference uh, roof. Uh, where it's metal and and you know and it's, and he had it on flip flops and and like the the way how the the hotel is structured, how he's trying to jump from like you know certain places like the ledge or or from the from the very top roof, like it would be impossible for him to like plunge so you know so deeply through that roof and it was, and it's just like stuff like that that's question that's that's interesting to kind of like just put your head into the to the, the head of the loved ones who are being interviewed and and wanting to you know, get these stories out and also the, the experts and, and, and even the investigation team who also want to find answers, but they, you know, were reassigned and, and then the police just decide, okay, yeah, well, this isn't worth looking into. It's pretty self-explanatory. He committed suicide, but there's just like so many, you know, things like that aren't answered. And even like 
you know, uh, someone who's supposed to be his best friend who decides not to be uh, interviewed and, and just completely cut off all forms of contact, uh, you know, from people who, uh, you know, were associated with them. And it's just, it's just stuff like that. I mean, it, it, it's, it's cinematic in a different way. Like where you, you have the narrative and you have the intrigue and then, you know, you, you just don't get the, the resolution or the answers. If anything, it just brings you back to reality where it's kind of like you can help, you know, determine the ending of this conflict of this story. And I think that's awesome. Like the way how they crafted this where as an audience, we can decide, you know, to, you know, figure out how, you know, what we can do to help out. I mean, if, if we know anything, obviously not everyone can just help out, but it's just fascinating. Like documentaries that do stuff like this, where it includes you by the end of it, like it, 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 it it's decided uh, by you, like as an audience member or by you, uh, or, or, you know, just whoever can help out uh, to really help bring closure to this particular story. And and uh, I I just love documentaries like that. And I, and I also love documentaries that just kind of, you know, have these deep mysteries that, of course, whoever's being interviewed actually wants to be interviewed, not the ones who didn't ask to be interviewed in the first place. I mean, I know those can be a little uh, problematic where it, it kind of seems like, it's going in for the wrong reasons, but in this case, like this, you know, that each episode does end with like a, like a sort of cliff note where if you want to, uh, if you have any information that could be helpful to this case, visit this website and stuff like that. And I, you know, did some research and saw how, you know, a lot of people are like trying to figure, help figure out what could have happened to these cases. And it's, it's just cool. Like, so I like, I like stuff like that. And, you know, I think uh, if you haven't, if you are interested in documentaries or just, you know, kind of like, unusual cases and trying to figure out you know what could have could have happened i think unsolved mysteries is, is definitely a good one i mean it, again it's a reboot series of an original show by that same title and it's just formatted differently but i think it's awesome and uh yeah i'll shut up now <laughs> i do want to watch the ufo episode of that that show yeah um even though it's like a fake mystery <laughs> but, uh, um i like that uh i don't like true crime i like my crime fake um uh what is it um something interesting about taxi drivers that i i like is that um uh the albert brooks scenes are so funny to me because they feel like they come out of a albert brooks romantic comedy so if you like turn on the movie like whenever they're in like the campaign office you're like oh this is like a like this is like broadcast news or something yeah. And then, like, you cut back, like, five minutes later, and there's just this guy, like, you know, buying guns in a hotel room or something. Yeah. You're like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's a good point. I, I just like the disparity because it's like whenever Albert Brooks show up, I'm like, oh, I'm in an Albert Brooks movie. Um, <laughs> which I love. I love an Albert Brooks movie. Uh, it, yeah. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I've always thought that, and I, I just feel like it's never, like, brought up. Uh, it's just. Some interesting thing I think about. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Like, yeah, it's like it feels like I, I, you know, we really are in a different movie whenever we visit, like, <laughs> like those characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and great description of uh, uh, Mean Streets. It, it's just a, it's just a hangout movie, <laughs> but with crime. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it. Um. I wasn't going to bring this up, but I guess I will. Um, I did also watch a Scorsese flick this week. Um, from the day we got home shooting, um, I couldn't sleep, so I threw on, like, 
Aviator was on TV, like the back half of it. So I watched the back half. Didn't fall asleep. So I turned it on. I watched it from the beginning and I watched the whole thing again. Um, this time with the first half. Uh, I didn't really like this movie the first time I saw it. You know, like I said earlier, I have a problem with 21st century Scorsese. Um, but this time around watching it, I I dug it. Um, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I mean, I don't love it, you know. Um, like, I was talking to you, Tristan, about it. Like, uh, Michael Mann and Christopher Nolan both had projects in the work about it. Michael Mann was going to direct this movie originally, the script and uh, with Leo. And then... Um, he backed off and Scorsese signed on. And um, I honestly rather see the Michael Mann version. And I rather see the uh, Christopher Nolan version. Like, I feel like Martin Scorsese is the least interesting of those three personalities to make that movie. Considering Mann and Nolan are like kind of like obsessive, like freaks in a way, like Howard Hughes. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it, it it's good. Um, I I it's uh, one of the most deserved Oscar wins for like Kate Blanchett. She's fucking incredible in this movie. I mean, as she always is. But um, she's really good in it. Uh, I love uh, John C. Riley being in this movie. Um, I, I I like his turn in more conventional roles and not comedic. Even though I mean, when I say turn, he started out that way. He didn't start doing comedies till later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's really good in it. Like, it's got a great cast. Um, besides them, like you got Danny Houston, you got Adam Scott in a short role, which I think is funny. Um, you know, Jude Law, Alec Baldwin. You know, it's it's good cast. Alan Alda is great as the senator. Uh, it's just uh, you know, I I really like Leo. I just think his later, like when he's supposed to be older i'm like yeah he's still baby face like this is like a year or two after this is like a what is it 2004 it's like either a year or two right after um catch me if you can yeah which like i kind of just think of him in that period like i'm like you know catch me if you can he plays like a high school student and he pulls it off still like yeah he just got good jeans man yeah i mean i think like leo now like a little more like the pudgy or older Leo. I think he would be great as at this point in um, like the second half of uh, the Howard Hughes pick. But in the first half, he, he's got that energy and it, it, it works. Um, uh, I really like the ending to this movie. Um, I, I, I kind of thought of it like it's kind of why I watched the first half after I, I watched it because I was like, oh, this got to be a callback to something. It's um, It's very interesting. It's like kind of lethargic in a way um and uh if you read about like the history like the thing he accomplished at the end of the movie has like doesn't matter at all i guess it's kind of more like a personal accomplish accomplishment and i guess he made a threat he would renounce his citizenship if he didn't get it um but he did and uh but it, it didn't matter overall in the end um so yeah it's this movie's this movie's good it's good. I like it. Um, I'd rather see those other people's takes, but uh, it's good. Which, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's disappointing like, to say, because it's a Scorsese. But I, I like it fine. 
Um, I would, I would recommend it. You know, yeah. I think Howard Hughes is an interesting figure. Um, yeah, but uh, what I do want to get to, and what I want to talk about is when we're talking in the film shoot, we brought up this actor because I think, uh, oh yeah, Vicky, because you're watching the shows, and I said he should do comedy more. And you said, Tristan, that Atlanta, he kind of is. And I thought, okay, I was hoping I would get what I was referring to, which is Troy and Community, which I find to be like, anytime I think about that character, who I love, probably my favorite on the show, I think of like a cartoon character, like he's so animated. And it's weird that he was so animated a few years ago, and now he's like, so just serious and quote-unquote cool you know um but yeah that's it's kind of the mix of bolts in atlanta he's he is doing that um oh my god this is disjointed let me just say okay i binged the two seasons of atlanta i finally got around to it i watched the show everybody raves about um i will say i knew less about this show than i initially thought because if I knew Brian Tyree Henry was one of the lead actors on the show, I probably would have watched it immediately. Man, I love that guy. <laughs> that lady, yeah, love... he literally. That's that's where I learned about him through Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I'm one of the regular Joes that's seen him in like Widows and um, <laughs> if Beale Street can talk. Um, which, by the way, a sidebar. Um, if you've seen Beale Street, uh. If Bill Street can talk, um, the one time I went to the bathroom in that 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 one time I saw it in theaters was Brian Tyree Henry's monologue, which I watched it again later. I'm like, oh, this is like a year best performance. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. So if I knew he was in the show, I would have. I probably would have watched it immediately. I just kind of knew like Lakeith Stanfield, which I like a lot too, and Dazzy Beats were in it. That's about it, which I like a lot too. I like, I yeah, like the like cast of the show. Them, yeah, <laughs> I, I I like all three of those people like exceptionally. Um, and the 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 little kink in the the mix is is Donald Glover, who I think is okay on the show. Yeah. Um. Here's here's my thing. I think the show is good, which is a disappointment because everyone talks up this show as being the fucking best. Uh, um, Donald Glover is a genius. This show is a masterpiece. And I got to tell you, this show is good. <laughs> I watched, um, I mean, I watched the two seasons in a week. I actually watched the first season in its entirety in one day. Um, so I like it. Yeah, Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, great, yeah. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm tiptoeing around, like I'm trying to like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't think it's like a masterpiece, but it's it's great. Like I feel like you know, it's 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 a quality uh you know show for what it is. I mean, it's it could be surrealistic, it could be comedy drama. It's great. Oh, uh, here, there you go. Uh, you, yeah, I you mean, brought I, my... I like the, I like the first season, but I really didn't like the second season, and I wasn't expecting to have such a stark view of each of them because the way I felt about the first season 
was like kind of up there and but then the second season kind of went in this direction that whether it was because I wasn't expecting it or just because it went in a direction that I kind of just wasn't into anymore I don't know I don't know what it was it just kind of going back to that like like what Tristan just said I, I don't like the surrealist aspect of it but I did like the kind of everyday uh dramedy about it yeah. um um Vicky, I can't agree more. All right. So here's my big problem with this show. It is unfocused, and it is, like, it's, like, it's, like, peak TV, like, overdone. Like, it's peak authorship, like, in in excess. Like, it, it's too much. <laughs> and like, like it, you need, like, a showrunner or something to be, like, all right. Yeah, okay, we can do that, but, like, we got to tie it into the show. We're not going to make a short film, okay? Do that on your own time, but we got to, you know, we got a story here with characters. We got to do something with them. But you could you could do your white face, you know, on your own time, you know? <laughs> like, you need somebody like that in the room, which you don't. You got Steven, you got his brother, which, I mean, you know, they're going to probably agree on things because they're siblings and then you got hero mirai who is um yeah he's a, a tv director yeah, yeah. um he directed episodes of barry which is a show i yeah. love yeah um but you know he's probably excited because you know it's like oh i get to direct these interesting things you know but it's too unfocused here's the thing the first three episodes are i guess it's like a single arc it kind of sets the first episode sets up the show, second and third kind of are a story and build on the relationships, um, science set the ground, and that I love. It, it he it's so the consensus uh, conceit of the show, at least from the first three episodes, is um, Donald Glover's cousin is an up and coming rapper, so he reunites his relationship with him and becomes his manager. So. Quote unquote, what the show is about is about the rise of this local Atlanta rapper. You know, I say that in quotes because you wouldn't think that if you watched half the episodes because it's just some bullshit. Um, I love that. I love that concept. I, I was so into it. And then, you know, like after that, you get an episode about Zazzy Beats, which I'm like, okay, character focused episode. Fine by me. You know, I like those. I mean, it's how I fell in love with The Leftovers, you know, when they gave Carrie Coon her own episode. I'm like, okay, I'm in. Fine. Then you get more episodes that are about other shit, you know, or it's one is like, which I thought was kind of funny, actually, is just um, Brian Tyree Henry's character, Alfred, or Paperboy, is on a uh, on a talk show on a fake BET network um, yeah. talking about trans. <laughs> trans activism and trans rights which i was like oh that's i i thought it was like a hilarious concept but then you got like all these like absurd commercials and shit I'm like, okay okay well, if you and you know it just keeps doing these things and then season two is that in excess which i realized they made um you know two years after the first season and all those characters became or not characters, but actors became huge, you know? Uh, Lakeith Stanfield starred in a movie, and 
been a bunch. Brian Tyree Henry stealing the show, uh, whatever movie he's in. So all these actors are bigger, so I get it. They can't have them all in the same place, you know? I, I mean, I like, uh, yeah, and, and I'm sorry to me, Cliff, because I mean, like, I get what you're saying, but like, I feel like, because with Atlanta, it's, it's, I think it's mainly, it's not, because there are moments where, you know, there, there's some episodes that have a, a, a linked narrative, and then, like, there's other episodes that just kind of, like, they feel like they're just contained in that episode and that episode alone. Um, and I feel like, in this case, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I can understand that Alana could have probably uh, led certain viewers on to assume, like, okay, this is the kind of show that you're watching. And then it just goes completely, like, left field. And I think, in a lot of ways, it could be uh, compared to shows like The Boondocks or, or, or Louie. Like just kind of like a like a hybrid of Louis and the Boondocks together, which I don't want to. I, I hate that I have to use Louis as an example because I, like after what happened with Louis C.K., like like that fucking disappointed the hell out of me. But like I I think like between the Boondocks and, and the hybrid, it's kind of like that except episodic. Where I mean, each episode can just be its own thing. For I mean, for season one, it feels like there's more of a story in season one, which you know I could definitely agree why. Um, or I mean, uh, you know, I could see why. Uh, you know, that could be seen more uh, likable than the second season because the second season really does kind of just go off the wall with its, uh, you know, with its more uh, self-contained episodes or just kind of like these situations that's more surrealistic. But I think they all kind of serve their own unique purpose, which I think, you know, if you kind of look in between the lines, I mean, sure, some of them seem obvious and some seem just kind of like unnecessary. But I, I think like in a way it is kind of like overall like, like, almost like a collection of just these like short like stories in, in Atlanta with these characters and 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 it's kind of like a cartoon but not really a cartoon but it's just it, when they when they want to go into like like these certain character arcs I mean they'll jump into it but then if they yeah. want to just you know like go into like like you know like a, like a white face Donald Glover who <laughs> who's like you know basically like doing michael jackson like in, in a way trying to sell like a like a piano you know to a, a keith stanfield's character and and it's like this whole weird story that's going on i think i think like if you kind of accept it like i guess in that regard maybe you would probably learn to like appreciate it more but i can understand what you guys are saying that it's uh yeah it, it could be a little misleading with how it was initially set up that now it's just kind of like it seems like it's just doing its own thing and not really here's considering. My, here's here's my problem. So I, I gotta go. You can't have your cake and eat it too. Louie is just an episodic thing. Like it has no overarching plot. It's just about a guy. It's a comedian, and stuff happens. That's just the conceit of the show, you know. Which is fine, whatever. The this show sets up a plot. And then decides to be the show where it just does things. And I think it does that too much. Does too many short films. Don't get me wrong. I like him. Like, I was just looking at the episodes. um, The Barbershop episode where Paperboy's trying to get a haircut is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it's probably my favorite Um, episode. (laughs) Yeah. And I just realized Flying Lotus and Thundercat did the score. And I was like, that's the score bopping in this episode. And I love Flying Lotus. Um, but then you get the something like, you know, the Teddy Perkins episode, yeah. which I'm just like, it's fucking terrifying, but what, what, what did I watch? You know, why, why did I watch this? You know, 
Um, it's got like nothing to do with anything, you know. Um, it's just a fucking weird thing. And then you got like, you know, uh, the episode uh, Boo Boo, which is like a flashback to the uh, Alfred and Ern, Donald Glover's character, like childhood. And, um, you know, it, it, it ends up being this really fucked up tragic story at the end, which made me feel bad. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what does this got to do with the fucking other show, like the rest of the show? Because then the next episode is just like, you know, it cuts back to the, the main plot, you know? And, like, I, you, you can't have both. That's what I'm saying. Like, you got to have a balance, and this show is completely unbalanced. Like, the I first think it... season... Hmm? No, 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 sorry, finish. Sorry. Oh, I was saying the first season has less of it, and you do kind of have, like, going through, you know, it's overarching plot. You, I mean, you have, like, side, side things like the Justin Bieber thing, but at least it's, like, the characters, and it is about, you know, Paperboy becoming, you know, trying to get bigger. Um, but the second season, just too much. I think... Um, here's a, here's here. I want to hear your point, Vicky, but here's my thing. Season two, one of the few things I knew about the show before watching it was it wasn't called season two. It was called Robin season. Yeah. You know, um, which the first episode opens up with it pretty interestingly, and you know it carries through. But by episode four, I I do not see that theme whatsoever. It, it just just disappears. There's nothing. There's nothing that indicates this is quote unquote Robin season, you know. It, it it's just dropped like they forgot about it, you know. Which I thought was kind of interesting because you know it's in reference to in you know in holiday times, you know, um, you know, robbing people like crimes go up because people need money to you know buy presents for you know whoever, and um. I think that's an interesting theme and idea they, you know, to explore, but it's just kind of dropped. Like, and then you got like Teddy Perkins episode or the kid episode, and it's like nothing. You know, they make a, one reference to it in the barbershop episode, and that's about it. And that was episode five, and then I don't think there's anything else after that. Um, yeah, I, eh, I. The more I'm talking about the show, the more I'm not liking it. <laughs> Which is bad because I did like it, but it's just it's it's not reined in enough. Um, I want to hear your point, Vicky. You're gonna say. Well, what I was really just thinking about because Louis was also mentioned um, was that to me a show that does that has a little bit of both Louis and Atlanta, and I think it does both of I think it does better than both of those shows. And I and this is a show that I always talk about, and I don't know a person in my life that watches it unless you guys are about to surprise me because I don't think that you guys watch it would be Better Things um, Better Things is an amazing show and it kind of has this uh, rawness that maybe Louie has a little bit more but instead of being so like episodic where it's just a, what happened in that moment of the episode and doesn't necessarily uh like the next episode isn't necessarily tied to what's going on. Um, so, I mean, it, there, but there's an overall plot and each episode moves the story forward. But there are these moments of this kind of surreal where 
where, you know, the protagonist is just kind of really thinking a little bit larger. It doesn't go so off the wall as Atlanta did. Um, but if that's something that you do appreciate in storytelling, then I think you can also kind of get it from better things. I mean, it just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen Atlanta. I mean, I saw it when it came out. Um, but I just remember not really knowing what was going on and what the purpose of it was. And I think it's interesting that you saw the two kind of back to back because then you were able to kind of see, like when I saw season two, I mean, it had been, you know, like a year or whatever it is until season one. So I was kind of like, wait, was it like this? I don't think so. So you kind of discussing it, seeing them both together. And I'm just like, okay, like, I'm glad to know that I wasn't entirely crazy. Um, but I don't know. I think that it's kind of hard because I think that uh, Donald Glover in general, not just with Atlanta, but w w between his music and just some of the things that he's been a part of. I mean, he's, it wasn't even just Atlanta that was seen in such this kind of powerful way. It was also just with his music. I know he really blew up around this time too. And, you know, to me, I, well, I like him more as a, I like him as a writer more than anything, uh, more than a musician and more than an actor. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, he had, he, he was kind of blowing up at this time. So it was just, you know, that's cool. You know, good for him. I mean, um, I think he does have a lot of talent and things to offer, but, but yeah, I don't know. It just, it went off the handle to me. It kind of like jumped multiple sharks and I think I kind of took it off. It made me take it off my roster of, of things to watch. Like if, if they came back with another season, I don't think that I'm interested anymore. Like to me, it jumped so far that, I don't know if I'm going to watch another season. Um, but yeah, I mean, if either of you, you know, not to use, to use, I'm going to say not to, but to use this moment to plug better things, I just think it's just, I don't think that Pamela Adlon, I don't think she gets the, the credit she deserves for this show. I mean, uh -huh. it's, it's amazing. It's every episode. And, and to have the most annoying children in the world and to still keep the audience interested enough to just know what's going to happen to them and to, to her character, Sam, and just her family and just things that are going on in her life and just being the single mother and, you know, successful but not uber successful in the in the film industry or just creative industry in general in LA. Um, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's great. It's award-winning great. And, and I don't think it gets any appreciation really. I mean, clearly there's some because there's like four seasons, but I don't know when I bring it up to just a regular, you know, coffee table conversation, no one has seen it and it drives me insane. So I've watched the first season uh, of Dirty Things, and I thought it was excellent. And I want to uh, catch up on it, uh, especially since, like, after Louie, ha like, uh, 
um, you know, ended. Like, I was kind of, like, trying to find something, you know, to try. Because like, I really enjoyed, genuinely enjoyed Louie. And then, like, you know, after that weird hiatus, then also the Louis C.K., you know, thing that happened. Like, it just kind of ruined everything for me. But better things that, yeah, like, I, the first season, like, I genuinely enjoyed. And I just, like, haven't got around to, like, catching up to it because everything else was going on. Uh, like, uh and um i mean i just want to like, kind of like say like one final point which is like uh like you, you know with with the fact that like uh with with like louis how how it had like this this one season i don't remember which season in particular but just as an example how like it had this one season where it was just uh just just like purely like one particular plot through it throughout and then like it just went suddenly went back to the way it was uh uh before uh, which was just kind of like random episodic uh, things, and like I mean I don't know I just I just think like Atlanta I mean it's not like a perfect show I'm, I'm definitely not gonna say that it's like a masterpiece but I think that it's still definitely one of those shows that I think that I would still recommend to people because I think it's it it, it can it can like when it has its highs it's really high I think in my opinion like it could has it could have episodes that may not work for some people sure i mean i could definitely you know agree with that like but it has excellent uh excellently crafted episodes when it when it does come around and and i know like that's probably not enough for some people like i mean i could it doesn't have to be something to be kept under your radar but i think uh because i understand it has it does have a consistency problem if that's like you know what you're wondering but i think what i love about this side of TV in general, or they're just kind of going beyond the boundaries of storytelling where it could just turn into whatever, whatever, you know, really uh, the writer wants just trying to like be experimental and to, to allow themselves to be experimental and also uh, try and try something that hasn't been done before, because maybe they are aware of, you know, people kind of giving this feedback that you guys are giving and, and and from what I understand, they were working uh, on both the next two seasons. Uh, uh, yeah, they're shooting season yeah. three and four back-to-back. Um, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. This episode's going to be four hours long. So, um, But I, I, I just want to close my thoughts on the show, which is um, I, speaking through it, I like it much less. Um, <laughs> it... it, it it's got, a, it's got a problem. You're talking about this boundaries of storytelling with creators, and I'm like, yeah, I agree with you. And this is the first time I think too much. Give me a fucking conventional TV show, all right? Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't like these, this, this experimenting. And um, you know, I'm speaking these points very verbally because I know if Donald Glover listens to the show, so you know, I'm trying to get the notes. You know, I know they probably shut down shooting for season three and four, so. Go back to the writer's room and think of something, you know, a little more conventional. Because um, it, it, it's just too much of a problem. Um, yeah, so I will probably watch this show it comes back. Just because I'm a huge fan of, like, the three other actors. Um, Brian Tyree Henry, Lakeith, and Zazzy. Um because, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of all three of those people, but I might not watch all of it. I might just wait till it's done and then see, like, okay, what are the highlight episodes? Because clearly, I don't have to watch every episode to guess what's going on because it doesn't fucking matter. It's just a collection of short films, you know? Oh, here's something that really fucking annoyed me. 
So I, I really got to end this episode, but this bothered me. Um, the, on IMDb trivia I was reading, um, Donald Glover described the show as Kirby enthusiasm, but with rappers. And, and coincidentally, as I watched or read that, the next episode started, which was the one episode where I could, or I would agree with that, which is when they go flexing on a night in uh, in Atlanta when they get finally get money. That's the only episode that has anything that similarity to Curb Your Enthusiasm. Because otherwise, it's nothing like that show. What the fuck are you talking about, Donnie? You know, it makes no sense. Uh, yeah, I sounds like I'm shitting on Donald Glover. I'll say this. I don't like his music. Um, I frankly just learning I don't like the show. And, you know, those are the things I don't like. I love him in community. Like I said, Troy is my favorite character. Um, and I think his Lando performance is excellent, you know. But, come on, buddy. Like, get, just get your shit together. The show is just so frustrating. I'm like, it's like so many things to like, but I'm like, what what do I like about this? You know, like do like whatever the fuck uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt does, and do like uh, your 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 show is just a collection of short films. Like, just do that. Make it an anthology series. Don't don't put a thread in the middle of it that you kind of rip off and then like, oh hey, you remember this thing? Wangle like wangle it in front of you. Oh yeah, here you go throws it right at you for an episode and then rips it off your face and, you know, uh, expects you to want it back. Like, you know, just give it all to me or give me none. Um, I do want to say Better Things is was developed by Lucy C.K. along with Pamela Alden, and yeah. they did develop the first season, I think, before he got canceled. So that's definitely where that thread, you know, is connected. Yeah, he's um, still an executive producer on it. Yeah, I think contractually he has to because he developed the show with uh, Pamela, so they have to credit him, I guess. But, um, yeah, I I think they co-wrote the first season together. Mm. And that's the the connection. I I do want to watch better things. I'm a huge Pamela Alden fan. I mean, she is Bobby Hill. Um, So I I, I do, yeah, I I will watch that because now I'm frustrated and kind of want to watch it all-tour TV show that has some sort of uh, narrative focus, but also can have fun. Because this show wants to have fun and say things, but not have any focus. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's me shitting on uh, Atlanta for 20 minutes. Uh, that's uh, that's what I've been watching. Um, this episode's going to be six hours long. Um, it was great, though. Had a good time. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, um, thanks for listening, uh, Mika Levy, uh, uh Donald Glover, Charlie Theron, shout out to all y'all, I, I know we only have, like, ten listeners, but, like, six of them are super fucking famous, uh, it's weird to think that, um, but yeah, uh, plug all the usual podcast, uh, things, Instagram, uh, Twitter, I don't know if we're on Twitter, uh, YouTube, to there it's the name of this podcast um you can watch the turning um digital platforms uh criterions on sale as of now still so go check that out um 
by some good movies. I'll probably be talking about the ones I get next week. And, uh, yeah, that's it for me. What about you guys? Um, yeah, like, uh, you know, follow the Instagram and, you know, you can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, you can also uh, follow me on uh, at Tristan Presents on Instagram or uh, Tristan Presents uh, on YouTube. Oh, and me. Um, alrighty. Well, you know, have I added a tweet? No, I haven't. <laughs> Um, you can follow me on Twitter at B-Y-K-Y number four, number four, or at on Instagram at B-Y-K-Y number four. Yep. Um, to all those uh, celebrities I mentioned, uh, she's taking offers for the Twitter handle. You know, we're, we're looking at all avenues of revenue because we make, you know, probably negative dollars on this show, so... Uh, we're, we're, we're willing to sell the handle. She keeps it tweetless because we know, like, you want to have a clean account when you buy it. So, uh, thanks for listening, guys, and see ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.